0: Listen to every single podcast on one of us.net. What do I do now?
1: Well, first of all, how is that even possible? But secondly, I think I have a solution for you, Chris. There can be no solution there. Ryan. There is a solution, and that solution is our newest sponsor, Audible.com. Guys, if you haven't tried audible.com, now is the perfect time to do that. We're talking about content that includes over a hundred and fifty thousand audio programs. We're talking about books, on digital, audio dramas, uh, broadcasters, magazine and newspaper publishers, all the greatest stuff you can possibly imagine in one place just for you. (gasps)
0: Okay, that actually does sound pretty
1: good. Doesn't that sound great? And you know what? I'm going to make it sound even greater, Chris, because they are officially, Audible is officially one of our sponsors here at oneofus.net, and as a special gift to you guys, Audible is giving away a free audiobook. All you have to do is click on the link at the bottom of this page, or you can go to audibletrial.com slash oneofus.
0: You mean to say that by clicking on Audible.com and downloading their free book, they make sure by listening to that audio that we
1: keep making more audio as well? That's right, and the cycle continues. So, we were talking about um, Joe Pesci. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Joe Pesci. Whatever happened to him? I don't know. Did he get muscled out by his... He uh...
1: got muscled out. You know, he <laughs> he got stabbed in the throat with a pin and then beaten with a bat and then shot in the head.
0: And then shot in the head... Over, uh, no, that wasn't a parking place. That wasn't in a Bronx Tale. He was the godfather in the Bronx
1: Tale. Yeah, weirdly enough. He's the guy not killing people in a yeah, Bronx Tale. He was,
0: he was the guy who tied it all together. Yeah. Pro-
1: he, he's but, like the rug. He tied the movie together. <laughs> he tied the movie together. Yeah. yeah.
0: It was a peshy throw.
1: Yeah. I just realized he's like the Rasputin of the mob movie world. He's yeah, just, They've shot him in the head. They've beat him with a bat, right. buried him alive.
0: Buried him, drawn and quartered.
1: But he keeps coming back and coming back until one of you is dead dead let's just start the show shall we would you like a beer yeah awesome unwind rewind and recap it's digital noise here on one of this is the home mini review show that is often referred to as the other blue man group i am your host brian salisbury and joining me as has become customary is the gregarious the garrulous but never gratuitous Mr. Johnny Neal.
0: Hello, Brian. Hello, Johnny Neal. You're looking spectacularly azure today. Am I? Yes. Oh. you the other blue men.
1: I like it. I, I'm feeling very azure today. Azure. Feeling very Olympic and azure today
0: Yes, you look Olympic
1: I think so, I'm, I'm clearly in prime <laughs> Olympic shape
0: You're like, oh my god <laughs> you, <laughs> Then you're going to win the Olympics Yes. we're going to go to war with Japan Probably And then you're going to get shot down
1: Wait, wait, no, win. no, put you're me in a better win, movie though. Paint me in a better movie, will you?
0: Angelina Jolie's daughter is going to make a movie about you uh, Damn it Well, guys, this show
1: is available on iTunes as well as on Stitcher. You can also follow us on Twitter at DigiNoiseCast or like the website on Facebook, facebook.com slash oneofusnet. And please do become a subscriber if you haven't already. We really appreciate that. That's how we keep the lights on. That's how we keep bringing you this content. We have some exclusive shows that are already in there for subscribers and more on the way, including a really excited one that I can't talk about yet, but I'm so fucking excited to bring that to you. Keep that in mind.
0: Can I can I just say something?
1: You can totally say something, Johnny Neal.
0: I love our listeners. Yeah? I do. I get, Tell us why. I get the biggest validation in mm-hmm. my sad little black heart <laughs> when I read the comments and people say nice things about me. And I they,
1: People think, love you, Johnny Neal. I've been think, telling you this forever. My
0: goodness, this is so nice.
1: See, I wanted you to be my co-host because I knew my job would be easier because everybody likes you so much, they forget about how much they don't like me. Everybody loves it, you. And then it balances out. And then all I have to do is just sit here and let you be Johnny Neal. See...
0: You know, this is a little secret to everybody back home. Uh we never actually... I'm just springing this on Brian right now. We didn't like each other very much when we first met. Is that true? I think... Well, you were a little drunk when we first
1: met. No, when we first met, I was confused by you because you thought I was Bo.
0: No, well...
1: Yeah, well, I was I mean, in costume, and you thought I was. Oh, ah, that's right, that's yeah. right.
0: The first time I went up to tell you, my dog ran away. It was the saddest and, story. And it was the saddest story, and I thought you were our friend Bo. Because
1: <laughs> I, I had a mask on. It was
0: Halloween. You were Darkwing Duck. I was Darkman.
1: Darkman Duck. Man duck. <laughs> I had bandages and. And a I thought you were bill. Bo. That's
0: right. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> so no, it's never. That no I, wonder you didn't like me because you I don't know I had where Alzheimer's. you're getting. The, I don't know where you're getting this when idea was, that I didn't uh, like It you. was
0: at uh, the old, at Chris's old house and. Uh, I was. I had just come back from India, and it was like everything changed. <laughs> All of my my core group of friends had a whole new circle of friends around them, and and I I think we were f- a little threatened by each other. Kind of like wow. the pecking order.
1: Things. I had I had no you idea. You called me
0: Mister <laughs> Belvedere.
1: <right? laughs> okay, well that's Cause just funny
0: cause it was, <laughs> but it didn't even make any sense. No, You it were didn't just making fun of me for being old. Yeah. And yeah, I, I like, did that I a lot even on that the show. get the joke. joke like what? <laughs> and you were, you know, so and now we're now we're getting married. <laughs> now we're best friends. <laughs> I don't know what... Please, please always feel free to
1: hijack this show, Johnny Neal. <laughs> I never know where the hell you're going to go, but I'm always happy once I, we get there. I
0: don't either. I just thought I'd get that off my chest. We got a great that big I'm glad convoy. We like each other now.
1: We have a great big convoy of hearts. We, That's what we have right now. Johnny rocking Neal. through the night. Rocking through the night. Yeah. You are always going to be my rubber duck. I just want you to know oh, that, Johnny Neal.
0: Oh, Neil. man. <laughs> and you're my pig pin. Yay.
1: I've been called that before. <laughs>
0: you're, you're my Burt Young. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Got to regroup question after mark? that, right?
1: Thanks for the giant question mark. All right. Well, let's go to the letterbox. Torgo.
0: <gasps> Torgo.
1: Wait, what? Uh, oh, um, oh my. Uh apparently Torgo informs me that we have no letterbox this week. Due to the excessive amount of titles, of which myself and Mr. Neil are staring down the barrel this week.
0: Oh my god, this is like the Freedom Tower. I
1: know, we've stacked all the titles up on the table, and it looks like the worst game of Jenga you could ever want to play.
0: Yeah, and... and There's no way to win, because most of them aren't very good. (laughs) So, speaking of not winning, let's dive into...
1: The Reviews. And reminder that all of these titles we talk about at, at some point, maybe not the day it posts, because it's late and I'm fucking tired, guys. Get off my back. We'll have Amazon links on the page, and you can click on them, go to Amazon. If you don't buy that particular item, as long as you get to Amazon via that link... Anything you buy benefits the site, and we really do appreciate that. And
0: you know what's great about that? What's great
1: about that, Johnny You can
0: New? buy anything on Amazon. Anything. You can buy groceries. You can buy a jar of pickles. We get a taste of those pickles. If
1: you buy a kumquat, we get like a quarter of that we kumquat. We get
0: a, a little bit of kumquat.
1: We get we get some kum, You know what? <laughs> it, never mind. Let's Never let's mind let's,
0: the kumquat thing. Let's, let's leave that alone. Sometimes hard case sounds aren't as funny as you think they're going to be. That's true. Hey, for real, (laughs) anything you buy, anything you want, they have it on Amazon.
1: Like, for instance, if you want to buy Michael Mann's new film, Black Hat...
0: Well, I'm not going to recommend it, but it might be a good gateway to get you to look for other stuff, like
1: Thief. Thief. Oh my god, Thief is so good, go buy Thief. That's what makes me sad, Johnny Neal. This is one of my favorite directors, Michael Mann. And, you know, we got to talk about this when we did the theatrical review, but his last few movies... Uh, you know, Public Enemies. I think just this and Public Enemies are like since Miami Vice are the only two movies that he's made, and I actually kind of like Miami Vice.
0: When did he make Ali?
1: That was like two thousand one. That was, was way be- that was before Collateral, which I also really like. Um, you know, so that was just,
0: before Collateral.
1: Yeah, it was Ali was like 2000, 2001 Collateral was two thousand four. Miami Vice is two thousand six, and then uh, Public Enemies is two thousand nine. And then jump ahead six years, twenty fifteen, we get Black Hat
0: man
1: yeah and here's my big problem with this. by the way this movie is about a hacker who's hired by the government to hack stuff it's the classic like we don't like you and you're in prison but we need you to take on a worse guy than you you're so. the
0: you're the only one that could do this
1: yeah you're the you're only the person the
0: only person that could possibly hack this stuff
1: apparently matthew lillard and angelina jolie were not available so they had to go with monsieur thor
0: apparently since all the Radio Shacks have closed, it's really hard to find hackers that don't have anything to do or that you know are available on the yeah. street.
1: Yeah, no, I mean they're they're busy people. They have to hack the planet. Um, but yeah, so here's my big problem with this movie is that it's it's an example of a director's style being pushed to the point where it actually undercuts the effect of what they're trying to do. It's Michael Mann's not being able to see the woods for all the trees moment because Michael Mann. One of the things that canonizes him as a filmmaker is he is obsessed with detail. Yeah, very finite detail. I mean, you see it in Thief, you see it in Heat, you see it, uh, you see it in Manhunter. I mean, you see, you feel like you understand every safe cracking tool, every FBI profiling trick, and every clip loaded into each machine gun. Like you really like. There's a tactile sense to his movies.
0: Yeah, very tactile. That's a good yeah. And with an auditory tactile, yeah, too. Yeah, the you, sound of oh. a, a bolt sliding forward that's oiled up, you can tell, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just a, a Foley Pit sound bite. You know, every gun has its own clicking sound to it and stuff.
1: Every key on the Casio, you can hear from Tangerine Dream, it's great. Um, but with Black Hat, he tries to do the same with Cybertech, and he actually does so at the expense of the story. He spends so much time trying to explain. To a 2015 audience, how the internet works?
0: Well, not and only it, trying to explain it, but showing you
1: yeah the uh, the actual <laughs> movement of like of electrons of electronic information through cyberspace, and it's like okay, two things: one, that's not that interesting, right? And two, again, Michael Mann, I don't know if you just discovered this, but the rest of us have been living on the internet for a while yeah. now. Yeah. So I think maybe you're a little behind on that. And you focus, he focuses so much on it that meanwhile, the story is just kind of bland as, you know, like boxed mashed potatoes.
0: Well, you know, and the, and the, okay, first, I'm just going to give a disclaimer here. I don't really like Michael Mann very much. I, heresy. I loved Thief. Uh, Manhunter is really good. Heat was pretty good. I think it's not as good as other people think it is. But anybody who picks Will Smith to play Muhammad Ali obviously is like John McCain picking Sarah Palin as a running mate. Wow. You're just really missing your own boat. You built a (laughs) boat and forgot to to put a hull on it.
1: But he's going to explain to you how every board on the half-finished boat works.
0: (laughs) So, that's how I feel about (laughs) Michael Mann. I think he makes a lot of really bad decisions. So... I think one of his bad decisions, based on what you're talking about, mm-hmm. could have been a good decision if he would have just done it a little bit as a kind of an abstract, Over and, and I'm not a tail wagging the dog type person. Whatever somebody does, that's what they do. I don't want to tell them how to do it differently, but I will say- Are you say, sure? Because
1: that's pretty much all I do. That's so. Yeah.
0: I, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I, yeah. Sometimes I am. But just- <laughs> The the beginning, you see, I'm just going to spoil the title sequence, you see a nuclear reactor blow up, and then you see the electricity go through the power line, all the way to a computer, then into the motherboard, and then into the chip, and then... Through the chip And back up through the keyboard And back to another nuclear plant (laughs) So it could have just What could have really been a cool abstract background To the title sequence Mm -hmm. Is just starting at the chip And getting like at the beginning of Fight Club Mm -hmm. When you don't know where you're going with that big graphic Right And then so you see the effect as it's happening Not going backwards and then back to it So that's like the longest thing in the world Mm -hmm. And then my other problem with it is, I asked you before I watched it, does Chris Hemsworth really know how to act? Because I think he does. All I've seen him do is Thor and that Cabin in the Woods movie, but that was like five minutes. Do I look to be in an
1: acting mood?
0: And I and Saturday Night Live, that was the thing. He was so charismatic and so funny on Saturday Night Live and up for anything that I thought, oh, he's, he's probably a really good actor trapped in a beautiful statue of a body. Mm-hmm. It turns out his idea of acting is to do a Brad Pitt impersonation. Everything that he did was Brad Pitt. It was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Are you ever going to shift gears here? It was like watching uh, uh, that guy do Joe Pesci. You know the oh the guy Jim who, Brewer. Jim Brewer it was like yeah. watching Jim Brewer do Joe Pesci. Yeah, only at, in a movie, not on a on a skit.
1: It, you wanted him to make the pit stop. What? Yeah. Pit stop. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that was
0: that was we didn't set that up. No, I know. Brian just does that. I
1: am I am not a funny guy. I'm not a (laughs) clown. I am not here to amuse Johnny Neal. That is quite clear to me.
0: So I found that very annoying. And then here's my other problem with Michael Mann, and call it a spoiler if you want. His way of dealing with character development is to kill the character. By the end of every one of his movies, there's only two people left, and they always get away, or they always die. You know, every one of his movies is about starting with a group of people and killing them off one at a time until the end, and then you find out who's doing the killing, and they have no charisma. They have no personality. They're nothing, and you're going... I watched this movie just so all these people could die at the end. Well,
1: to be fair, he does a lot of movies about outlaws and desperados, and it's like those are the only two possible outcomes for those characters is you either you either die or it's it's kind of weirdly bittersweet that you got away with it kind of a thing. You these
0: know. were all FBI guys, US Marshals, CIA guys, Chinese police And guys. me. Thor the Hacker Thor And of course Thor won Because Hacker Thor Because he's a hacker Thor Hack slash And then it even had a dumb title You know (laughs)
1: Black And again the western thing I just like the outlaws and desperado I think westerns have always kind of been At the like simmering undertone Of all of Michael Mann's work And I think this is Kind of an indication of that yeah, because there's a lot
0: of cowboy hackers out there.
1: I'm just saying, Black Hat is just such an, an, a a a paradigm of like the old the old westerns where it's like the good guys wore white and the bad guys wore black. And anyway, I don't like this movie.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I don't really like it. Talk I about like it more than I want to. And
1: there's there's a fucking like I think Cargill and I talked about this on our uh, Miami Vice episode of Junk Food Cinema every Tuesday on Uh And we talked about how like the scene at the end in the parade, he's like firing a gun. Why is no one reacting to that? (laughs) Why? Nobody in that parade seems to give a shit that there's someone firing live rounds
0: right at their heads. Why are they taking this hacker with them on the police raids and stuff?
1: Because of police work. I don't know. I got nothing.
0: (laughs) It was so
1: bad. This uh, this Blu-ray, DVD, HD uh, combo set here comes with two really weak-ass, or three really weak-ass featurettes. The Cyber Threat. On Location Around the World, and Creating Reality. Could they have come up with lamer names? Creating Reality. Creating Reality, and then the cyber threat, and On Location Around the World, which could apply to any fucking movie. Like, the the special features are lazy on this, so I'm sorry, Universal and Legendary Pictures. You don't get much love from us this week. But what will probably get a lot of love this week, and is my runner-up for pick of the week, Is Boardwalk Empire, the entire season. The complete series, the entire season. The complete series of Boardwalk Empire. And specifically, we're going to talk about that last season. Uh, Holy God, that last season. If you haven't seen Boardwalk Empire, you might want to not listen to this next couple of minutes. Because we're going to have to talk about the ending of the show. Or,
0: you might not want to look at Wikipedia about Atlantic City. Or, (laughs) Al Capone, or...
1: Or the, the Crime Commission. That's the thing. The reason one of the reasons I was so in love with this show is I am a huge organized crime nerd. I love the history of the mafia, and this season builds up to the formation of the crime commission, the five families, and that, that is as soon as they introduced Lucky Luciano and Meyer Lansky, I knew is what they were working toward, and I was waiting and waiting and waiting. And it was just like this this the way they did it was just so like and here it is and goodbye. They you know, they talk about uh, the uh Miseria, Maranzano yeah. When they played those two guys off of each other and won the war basically by just destroying both of their adversaries, uh, you know, and then you get to see Al Capone's rise, and in this season it ends with I gotta say a really tragic like feel to the ending of Al Capone's story. I mean, we knew it was coming, right? But it's just like when he kisses his son goodbye and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna beat the rap. I'm gonna beat the rap, whatever." But then he has this moment where he's doing sign language with yeah, him. Yeah, it's so it's so moving. And I think that has to do a lot with that actor's performance, as which is throughout the entirety of the show has been excellent. Like he never played, um, he never played Al Capone as a one-note character. I think, and I, this might attract some ire from people. I think he made a better Al Capone than Robert De Niro did in The Untouchables.
0: I think that he played a really good Al Capone-based character because. Al Capone was a really big Mm 5'10 And his size And his intimidating size I mean he was a big 5'10 He was a big bruiser And Mm -hmm. that was a lot to do with his power Yeah, And this guy was
1: Stephen Graham Yeah,
0: And Stephen Graham was excellent He was a great actor in it But he's a little bitty guy And I just could never quite bridge that in my head That he was Al Capone He was a fantastic actor But he was much more of a Jimmy Cagney type or me. a Joe Pesci uh, See, Everything if Joe, Joe Pesci, Pesci was cast as Al Capone You'd say he's too short to play Al Capone but- I might say that Although I'd be scared to
1: death of Joe Pesci I think that evens out I think that, that kind of balances out And then of course the ending of the show itself In Nucky's story
0: The end of Nucky's story really kind of punched me in the guts
1: Well, and they introduced something about Nucky That as soon as they introduced it I was like, oh I know, it. they're softening the blow They're telling us something really despicable about our hero that is going to make it, I, I knew what was coming. As soon as they showed that, I was like, oh shit, they're preparing us. They are showing us the side of this guy that despite all of his crimes and despite the evil things that he's done, we've still largely liked. And then they give us this piece of incontrovertible evidence that he is despicable. And it's like, oh, they're going to, they're going to kill him. Well, like, that's what's coming right now.
0: Yeah. They, they did. And they also, while they're telling you his history, they're also showing the present time of uh, his, the, the, the girl.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gretchen Moll. Gretchen Moll's character. Yeah.
0: Of just how horrible her life went. Mm-hmm. because It was like what a cancer he was. Yeah. You know? There was nothing redeeming about him in, in the big picture. And
1: the kicker of all of it is when he says, I will always protect you. I will always take care of you. Yeah. And you realize how miserably he failed at that. From the get-go. Yeah. And it's just like, man, I produces such a bilious vitriolic taste in my mouth, and all I wanted was exactly the ending we got. Yeah. Yeah. And that reveal as to who that kid really was. And there's just like all of his sins, all of his sins are being revisited upon him. That's why this entire show, this entire show, there has been a devout catholic who is always in the wings of his character almost as a reminder that at some point his sins are going to be revisited upon him and oh my god when that all wraps up in that moment and then that final shot of him kind of half dreaming half fading away and remembering when he was a child and and just swimming and putting literally putting his life in danger to recover coins from the ocean it's like oh my god this is poetic this yeah. is bleak, this is beautiful, this is absolutely goddamn poetic.
0: That's one thing. Sometimes the story would kind of run off the rails a little bit or take too long or whatever, but it was always beautiful. It was the most well-dressed show ever. Mm-hmm. Great hats, great suits, great everything. Oh, so I want so I want stylish. to
1: own all of the fashion in this movie, all oh, the yeah. clothes. These guys look great.
0: Everybody all the time. And and Uh, I liked that every season had its own story, but it was still part of a bigger story. Right. One thing I didn't like about the last season was that we didn't get Michael Stuhlberg. Stuhlberg. You know, and he disappeared. I mean, they said that he died and it was over a gambling debt. Yeah, which really did
1: happen to Arnold Rothstein. Arnold Rothstein, but... Yeah. He
0: was such a great character. He really was. He would have one line in a whole episode, and and you were just going oh. And I didn't like Chalky's end.
1: I was well, that's the thing is like this last season is like George R. R. Martin suddenly took over Boardwalk Empire because everybody starts going down. Everybody starts fucking going down.
0: Yeah, and I didn't think they needed to do that to Chalky. Yeah, I just didn't buy Chalky taking that guy's word for it, the daughter would be taken care of.
1: Well, and not only that, but it's like, you have a character, and I and I kind of agree with you on Chalky's death, because you have a character who has survived so fucking much. Yeah. Who has, like, fought tooth and nail to preserve his own existence, and to go out like that, like,
0: yeah. He had a gun on the guy, mm-hmm. and he, here's the thing, if he would have killed that guy... That guy's henchmen would have said, oh, okay, we work for you then. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't have killed him in revenge for their godfather guy. The, there the, just wasn't any logic to him saying, okay, I, I give up. That phenomenon you're talking about where if you kill
1: the boss, the other guy's like, we work for you. You know, I call that the, do you want a job, Ernie? Like in Scarface. <laughs> right. He's like, you want a job, Ernie? Yeah, thanks, Tony. <laughs> like, you're yeah. cool. I killed your boss. You want a job? Um, but, yeah, I think overall this was a... A really fantastic send off for this series. And it gave us everything that we want. We wanted, even though at the beginning of the season, we might not have known that that's exactly what we wanted. It did a really good job of leading us down this path that was entirely earned, that introduced a lot of interesting, compelling things about characters that set up their ends really beautifully. And then, yeah, no, I, I love the end of the show. I think, I, I, I totally think people are going to be way Way more satisfied with the ending of this show Than um, than with The Sopranos Which was Terrence oh, Winter's yeah, previous yeah. show Which I love, first of all I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, again, probably attract some ire. I love the ending of The Sopranos I really think everything you need to know About what happens to Tony Soprano Is evident in the last few episodes of that show And, yeah
0: um, I, I love that I don't like the blackout part If it just ended with him having dinner with his family That would have been fine You mm-hmm. know, because it's like well, eventually he's going to get killed, too, just like everybody else. No, because it's erotic because Journey says, don't stop, and then they just stop. That was so, like, <laughs> you know, that was just such a klutzy,
1: like... I love that ending, and I'm still making fun of that. Just I can't resist the joke. I can't. I don't can't stop resist. believing? Don't stop. You know, they say you shouldn't stop. I'm talking like Travolta. Yeah, you're
0: Tony Manero. It was I mean. Tony
1: Manero. You know, they say, hey. don't stop, and then they totally stop, don't you know? Stop. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Come on. It's, <laughs> it's ironical. <laughs> it's
0: erotical, <laughs> <laughs> all right? It's hydromatic. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why the fuck I got on that, but... Because yeah. it's New Jersey. It's New Jersey. Why hey. not? Hey! Oh. What, one thing also that is just so beautifully expressed in Boardwalk Empire... Is what an amazing century the United States has had. Yeah. In the time of Boardwalk Empire, if you wanted to go 200 miles in New Jersey, there was one road. One road to go down. That's and it. there was one gas station. Yep. <laughs> and if you controlled that gas station, you controlled all of the commerce of New Jersey. Can you imagine trying to hijack trucks in this day and age? Oh my god, it was and, and it was so easy. Yeah. All, all they had to do was take over that one little shithole
1: gas station. Or or do the same gag in every season where it's like, oh, the car's broke down. What's going on? Let's get out and investigate. And then everyone gets murdered.
0: I'm like, when are you not going to fall for that? (laughs) I like how the machine guns all work, but the the internal combustion engines are always breaking down. Yeah, even
1: though they were Tommy guns, which were notorious for jamming and not working. Anyway, yes, Boardwalk Empire. And and, uh,
0: uh, another example of HBO creating a whole new graduating class of leading men you know there Mm -hmm. are just so many great people in that show Bobby Cannavale has just I think some of the best stuff he ever did Mm -hmm. the fact that he carried the whole season and was such a badass and you know just everybody from the beginning to the end there were great people in it
1: awesome and this set which has again the entirety of the series actually does have some new special features uh it's about a half hour worth of new content um, I think it's called The Final Shot, A Farewell to Boardwalk Empire. It's a new documentary um, about the cast and crew in the production, and yeah, I mean, they talk to a lot of big names, including series producer Martin Scorsese, oh. so definitely check. Like, I think I think even if you only own a couple seasons of the show, like, I only own the first two seasons, so I'm definitely going to pick up this entire series set, because it's phenomenal. i I I have Amazon Prime, but for some reason only the first season's available, which oh, I think yeah? is kinda of bullshit on Amazon Prime. But now I have now I will be getting the whole the whole series, so definitely if you're a fan of the show, I think it ended on such a high note and this is a great set to pick up. From thence we shall discuss Wet Hot American Summer. Yay! Johnny Neal, you've seen Wet Hot American. I have
0: seen Wet Hot American Summer, and I love this movie. Tell me what you love about this movie. I love the scene where they uh, go into town... For their weekend, and mm-hmm. they, like, do heroin, and it's like, hey, we're going into town! Just, everything about it is is so off-the-rails nuts, mm-hmm. you know, and they're uh, talking about a graduating class of some pretty amazing people.
1: Oh, yeah, this movie, and guys, this is a 2001 uh, comedy that, when it first came out, nobody really paid attention to, but definitely developed a cult following after that, and this 2001 film stars... Every single person currently doing
0: comedy on TV and or in film. Janine Garofalo, David Hyde Pierce, Molly Shannon, Paul Rudd, Michael Showalter, Amy Poehler, Elizabeth Banks, Bradley Cooper, Christopher Maloney. Ken Marino, Joe
1: LaTrulio, like anyone you've ever seen on a TV show or in a a contemporary comedy was in this fucking movie. And it was directed by David Wayne. David Wayne. Who uh, also did a movie I really liked that I don't know if a lot of people paid attention to was Role Models. That he did oh, with, yeah. with Paul Rudd, I thought was was excellent.
0: And he also does most of the children's hospital episodes. And before that, did uh, the state? Yes, was he was did he, he, he the did, one? Who yeah, did I the think state? he did do the state. He yeah, did, he did Michael and Michael Have Issues, uh, Stella. Mm-hmm, He's. Stella. Uh, I met him last summer when I was in L.A. and I just fawned all over him. And he was like. You really know my stuff. <laughs> I said you do things that people spend millions and millions of dollars for, and you get more laughs for five dollars than any of those guys. You get
1: more laughs for five dollars. That sounds like something old Hollywood that you would say. I just, I just love
0: him. I was, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm meeting you. you I have a, I, I'm, I'm more starstruck by directors than I am by uh, actors. You know? you know what? I kind of have that same thing, right? Yeah. Like, you know, actors, you kind of go, oh, you, you sucked in that, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is a this is a movie that David Wayne actually based on his own experience while attending Camp Moden which was a Jewish camp in Maine um so and and also Michael showalter was at a camp Mohawk in the Berkshires uh in Massachusetts so they basically you know kind of combined their experience and wrote this movie that to me feels like if someone tried to remake meatballs in the early 2000s right, that's what I think too and but what's interesting about this movie and what I think kept me from just out and out loving it. I still really enjoyed it and I I, res- I respect what it was doing, but it felt more to me like a collection of sketches that are all set at one place yeah. than it did one cohesive story. You know, because everybody's playing such exaggerated. Like, Paul Rudd's like, whenever anyone asks him to do anything and he just like, is super exaggerated throwing a tantrum or it's like he's making out with his girlfriend and then she's like, Hey, you wanna go have sex in the woods? He's like, Oh, you're smothering me. Oh, you dyke. (laughs) I love you.
0: Christopher Maloney is the crazy who works in the kitchen of the of the the the, camp. The camp. It's and he's just on the top shelf next to my
1: dick cream. What? (laughs) Never mind that last part. I said my my stick team stick ball. Stay with me. Yeah, no. <laughs> and there's so a lot of funny. funny moments like that where this movie is very quotable. It's very you know, and I can understand how it became a cult hit because this is the kind of thing that would get passed around in college dorm rooms. Like, oh my god, have you seen this? You got to fucking see this. It's called Wet Hot American Summer. It's hilarious, and nobody's talking about it. And so I can I can totally understand how it became uh, a cult hit despite being a commercial and critical flop. But it's just. And it's so weird, like, Bradley Cooper is, like, this really flamboyant, like, musical theater guy who's also a counselor at the camp, and he says things like, if you can't carry a tune, don't show up, don't waste our time and yours, and just, like... And
0: it's a summer camp!
1: And it's a summer camp, yeah.
0: But it's, it's a VCR movie. Totally a VCR movie. you can tell movie. that, you know, people would just start it wherever they stopped it, and it was... You didn't have to rewind and start at the beginning, which is funny
1: because it came out in two thousand one. Which, while there were still VHS, is like it's a VCR movie released post VHS era, which is really kind of that's funny. You know what I mean? Like you're absolutely right. This is a VCR movie, but and I think it seems
0: older than two thousand one. Well, that's and
1: that's the thing is that might be why it missed audiences initially because the audiences going to see you know a a raunchy sex comedy in two thousand one were a little bit past that that VHS era. And maybe it just didn't resonate with them the same way it did finally with people. Who watched it at home, you know? And it was
0: also a little bit of a spoof of raunchy sex That's comedies. That's true. That's
1: very true. I mean,
0: there really wasn't a big money shot of raunchy sex comedies. There was just a lot of. Was there? Am I remembering it wrong? I haven't seen it in a while. Um, A big money shot of raunchy comedies? Yeah, like, you know, were there a bunch of tits or anything like that? And, I mean, not
1: re No, you're right. This is actually kind of a tame sex yeah, comedy. Yeah, it was more of, Interesting.
0: A, of a spoof of that sort of thing. Yeah. And like you said, it's kind of like meatballs, but it's like if meatballs had 500. Bill Murray's in it yeah. <laughs> which would have been the best meatballs, the best meatballs of all the ever. meatballs I think
1: I think that's the only way to make meatballs is that would have been roll the up a bunch IKEA Bill snack
0: bar of meatballs <laughs>
1: well this, uh, this Blu-ray comes with uh, quite a few special features the 10th anniversary event highlights um, the Wet Hot American Summer Live at San Francisco Sketch Fest deleted scenes cast comments behind the scenes Feature commentary with cast and crew, soundtrack with extra farts, yep. Uh, (laughs) Songs with production stills, theatrical trailer. This is a pretty loaded Blu-ray. I mean, this is is just—it's a single disc that Universal put out, and it's pretty loaded with special features. I'm—I'm actually quite impressed.
0: It's almost like the uh, senior class project of all of those people that are in it. You know, like everybody that was in that went on to do something else. Yes. To, to do a lot else.
1: You know, you know who I'm glad didn't go on to do a lot else after initially being famous? Is Taylor Lautner. Shark Boy? Shark Boy <laughs> can bite me. Because <laughs> first of all, that. first of all, Shark Boy should have been called Llama Boy, because he looks like a fucking llama. Oh, um wow. and so Taylor Lautner, inexplicably, guys, has a new movie out, and it's called Tracers. Or, as I like to call it, the parkour putts, or run, frat boy, run. Because this is a parkour movie in which basically what they did, what they did, guys, is they took a bastard version of Premium Rush and a bastard version of Point Break, and then those two bastardizations fucked and created a bastard bastard. So horrible that... You know what? This, This movie is all bastard. That's what this is. This movie is entirely... Bastard. It is about Taylor Lautner as a broke-ass bike messenger who is... Who owes money to the Chinese mafia, and he meets up with this parkour group. It's like, yeah, we'd like to do free-running. And then, wouldn't you know it, after all their philosophical bullshit about how free-running is just a way of life, oh, they commit robberies. I'm like, point break! All over this shit, point break. And then it's like, okay, well, I like parkour. Maybe just Maybe the atrocious, unwatchable acting of Taylor Lautner will be, will be like, there
0: will be a swell of interesting action scenes and I'll forget he's even in this. No such luck. The funny thing about this, ladies and gentlemen, is that Brian's wearing a Team Edward shirt.
1: I am not wearing a Team Edward shirt. I'm wearing a Team Hitchcock shirt. God damn it. (laughs)
0: This movie is... Oh, that was so good, though. Just for a second, they pictured you...
1: They did. ...with
0: a Team Edward shirt.
1: Don't tell them that shit. They'll believe that shit. They would
0: believe it because it's like all of your shirts were free.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have like 100 promotional shirts for Abduction, which was the last movie he was in. Abduction was absolutely...
0: Wasn't that also?
1: It was abysmal. Abysmal. It was. Yeah. And it was a
0: parkour movie.
1: Oh no no no! I'm talking about abduction.
0: Didn't wasn't there parkour in that?
1: Uh, No, he just ran from people, but not in a creative way. No, not in a creative way at all. It it looks exactly like this DVD. It, It does. It totally does. Like. In the, I believe in the, the, the DVD cover for Abduction, he's making that same pose and just sliding down a wall.
0: Yeah. Like, that's yeah. why I thought it was a parkour.
1: No, no, it's not. And neither is this, really. like, Because yeah. he learns how to do parkour in a montage in, like, two days. And I'm like, right. yeah, no, I don't buy that. And then the best part of this is that this movie is so bad that whole sections of dialogue sound like they aren't even recorded properly. Oh. Like the microphones across the street. Oh. And I'm like, wait, I'm sorry. Are you filming rehearsals? <laughs> and then just calling cut? It really feels like they're like, we're going to rehearse the scene. And the director's like, yeah, shoot it, whatever. Yeah, whatever. And then some editor's like, well, I guess this is the best take we got. It's like, that's the rehearsal take. Uh, Are you kidding? It started raining. We had to take what we got. Yeah. Oh, and I love the idea that the, the, the only thing really needed to commit a robbery is to run kind of fast. Yeah, yeah, because, that's it. <laughs> because it's like, we found the perfect way to sneak into this building. We just have to duck between the aisles when the cops come with their flashlights. And I'm like... What about alarms? What about motion sensors? What about bullets? Bullets? It's like, no,
0: as long as we can kind of be sneaky well, they're and They're like, no, dart we between- watch The Flash, and every <laughs> week on The Flash, no matter what the problem is, they say, Barry, you're going to have to run really fast.
1: You're going to have to run fast.
0: Every week, and it works. It's,
1: this movie's fucking awful.
0: Like, I saw the trailer and I was really glad that it, you let me out of the It's like the it's not obligation. just that
1: it, it's not just that it's bad because it's Taylor Lautner. It's bad because no one gave a shit. No one in this movie is trying, and that includes the people recording the sound. Like they literally thought so little of this movie that they didn't even do their basic groundwork, like their basic filmmaking 101 to at least make a decent product, which is probably why to my knowledge this movie was not released in theaters. But at all.
0: Well, and also why it looks exactly like the one that was released They may have just theaters, photoshopped it. Which you, I don't you remember what? the name of that one. Was Abducted. It? Abduction? Like yeah. on your shirt? Yeah. So yeah. that's
1: why I was... Because it was all about the fact that he had abs. He had abs? Yeah. It was abysmal.
0: Ab Taylor Lautner. There's a special a, feature. And he has a girl name.
1: Yeah. And he's a dick. Uh, from what I've heard, he's a giant douchebag uh, to work with. Which is why he didn't make movies for a while. Because... He and his father were such dicks to everyone. Really? Yeah. They like As, as soon as uh, Twilight came out, his, his dad decided to be his agent. Like, my son is going to be a big star and he demands like this and that. He's going to get the big paychecks and he's going to be in this movie all by himself called Abducted. And, and then when that movie flopped, apparently his dad started coming around the, the studios, uh, the agencies again, like, super Mr. Nice Guy. Like, how you doing? It's really good to see you. And it's like, yeah, too late. Everybody already fucking hates you. And I think that's what got... Kind of torpedoed his son's career. I mean, that and the fact that he's a terrible actor. And I'm sorry, the 70s porn stash does not make you seem more grown up. Looks looks terrible. Uh, This comes with a special feature called Why the Fuck Did You Buy Tracers? (laughs) Um, I don't know what it's actually called. I don't fucking care. Don't buy this. This is definitely a skip it. Moving on to our next film in our cavalcade. Oh, speaking of skip it, I guess there is no time like the present. Let's talk about
0: Mordecai. Mordecai. I am mortified that we had to watch Mordecai. You have never in your life seen such an amazing cast (laughs) assembled. (laughs) <laughs> for such bullshit,
1: can we start with the cover? I want to start with the Ooh. Blu-ray cover. Look at Gwyneth Paltrow on that cover. What is wrong with her face? Why does her face look like a stay pump Marshmallow? I don't. I thought it would be addressed in the movie that, like, maybe she got stung by a bee or you know, like there I think was. You're a,
0: being mean. No, dude, she's got like a
1: pumpkin face. She doesn't look like that in the movie or ever in her life. Why is that the photo they pick for her on the cover? It's ridiculous. I thought I literally thought there was going to be some kind of story element I in was, this movie. I'm sorry, I
0: was looking at Paul Bettany.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's beautiful. He's a vision.
0: <laughs> he is a... Uh, <laughs> he's got a big zit on his forehead, <laughs> This movie has a big... No, Hollywood has a big zit on its forehead,
1: and its name is Mordecai. Oh,
0: my God, this movie is so bad. So,
1: let me... So, okay. Um, Johnny Depp is an art... Hustler, I guess. It's not even really, clear, not what even he really does. clear what
0: he does or why he lives in a castle. He, he goes
1: to like fancy art deals and like doesn't or like buys things and he's kind of rich but he's
0: losing his money. I really, he's not a painter. It doesn't quite make They me. don't really He's fucking... an English aristocrat, sort of, but he's a douchey aristocrat and he and has a, a bumbling idiot And the thing is, this is what he is. He is attempting to launch a Clouseau esque character Thank you. into a franchise. Yeah. But you know, Clouseau didn't start with wanting to be a franchise. He was yeah. a kind of a small part, actually. Well, that's and, and that's it a, just kept building up.
1: Yeah. There's a lot about this movie that you'll watch and be like, "Why does this feel so out of time?" It's because they are totally trying to make a Peter Sellers comedy, but the thing that they're missing. Is Peter Sellers. Is
0: Peter Sellers.
1: Yeah. This yeah. is this is garbage. Like, what they've... Basically, here's every joke in the movie, and I'm not kidding. Every joke in the movie is, I have a funny accent. I have a funny mustache. Mustache. Isn't it funny, my accent and my mustache? I thought the most embarrassing thing that Johnny Depp would ever do would be acting by way of funny hats. It turns out funny mustaches is even worse.
0: There is something it's weird about that It's even fucking worse. It's so weird that he's so good sometimes, you yeah. know? I mean, he really is so good sometimes. But for some reason, nobody wants to look at him and go, yeah, this is stupid. This hey. is a really bad idea. And you can tell that this was his pet project. Yeah. Nobody recruited him. He recruited everybody else. And it's awful. What it's is, just bad. What is Ewan McGregor?
1: What is Paul Bettany? What is Gwyneth Paltrow? What is Jeff Goldblum doing in this fucking shit fest?
0: And they flew all over the world. For this that. is a I mean, globe trotting turd. This was not a fake, you know, Montreal standing in for Paris and New York and London and Egypt. Yeah. They actually went to all these different places. I recognized a few of them, you know? And it yeah. was like. Uh, what? Why is this? And they keep shooting Paul Bettany and it doesn't seem to bother him. No, he gets shot in the face at one point and they never address how he's alive. Yeah. With a
1: shotgun. Uh, Over and over. And it's like, isn't that funny? It's like, no, you've completely lost your foothold on reality whatsoever. Yeah. And it's like, I understand it's a comedy, but you can't just do shit. And then act like it didn't happen.
0: Right. Why Why was Jeff Goldblum susceptible to actual bullet wounds? Why Adam... When... <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> when why... other people are. I, I just noticed this. There are six people on this cover. Right. Only
1: two of them are actually British in this British comedy. In this comedy about oh. British people, only two of the actual actors are really British. Oh, wow. How irritating do you think that was for Paul Bettany to be like, so you wrote a comedy about British people and your two stars are American actors. kind of feels like you're just making fun of British people, is what it really feels like. And then he picks up Mjolnir and just knocks this movie into
0: orbit. I think that Paul Bettany thought, can we just get this over with? (laughs) Look, even his face on the cover is like, really? Uh, Honestly, uh, I'm in this. Man, this cover tells you
1: everything you need to know about the movie. It's incredible. There's no story elements. It's just an orange box with six big heads, one of which looks like it's... Like Faye Dunaway levels of I don't know what Botox. It's, and, which is she weird. looks
0: good in the movie. She looks
1: good in the movie. She looks good in real life. I don't know what the fuck this picture is. Yeah, that is it's weird. really disturbing to me. Um, but yeah, this is this is garbage. This it movie is, garbage. is fucking garbage. This is the kind of thing that Hollywood farts out and then just expects you to pay for because it has people you recognize in it. Take a stand, guys. Say no. Fuck this shit. Well, I think everybody did say no. That's true. It, it bombed. We we stood up and said no like we did with Yahoo Sirius when that motherfucker tried to be a star. <laughs> we as a nation stood together and said no fucking way.
0: And then you know what? Listeners, we took a bullet for you. We did. We backed up our... We said no and then watched it anyway to tell you to say no. We're the sin eaters. Oh, and covered in apples. We're the sin eaters. The sin eaters. I do want to point
1: out this movie tried to bribe me into giving it a good review. They sent me a pair of socks. Ah! I shit you not. A pair of argyle socks. And I was like, why is this awful Johnny Depp movie sending me clothes?
0: See, maybe it would have been cool if there would have been a big mustache on the end, and you could use them as puppets.
1: (laughs) Maybe so, Johnny Neal. Maybe. Maybe so. they, They missed that boat. Let's run quickly away from that, shall we? Yes. And let's talk about uh, Champs, which is actually a documentary I got to see. I don't think you got a chance did, to I see it. I ran out of it. Yeah. Champs is an interest. It's a 2014 documentary um, that focuses on three former boxing champions: Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, and Bernard Hopkins. Um, but in the course of the interview, the course of the interview, the course of the documentary, they also interview people like Denzel Washington. Mark Wahlberg, Ron Howard, 50 Cent, Mary J. Blige. (laughs) One of these things is
0: not like like the other.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of Oscar in the beginning of that sentence, and a lot of, of why are you where, here?
0: Because I needed to make it go fast.
1: I didn't realize Fifty Cent was a boxing promoter, but I wonder if that's where like. Where Does
0: Ron Howard fit into that? Is because he in the he, towel boy is he? Uh, is he made he, he
1: makes sports movies. He made that does he that hold the bucket movie? that they spit in. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like there's a really obvious connection that I'm just not. I just of. everybody
0: else looks like they've spent some time in the ring. You know, that's true. Even yeah. if they're just acting in the ring. Well,
1: like Denzel played the Hurricane, yeah, so exactly. you get that. That makes it. Mark Wahlberg is. Been, he was in, uh, in in the the fighter, yeah, uh, and also he seems like the kind of guy that probably. Looks like he, yeah. I mean, let's let us not forget the Funky Bunch video, feel the vibration when he is clearly working out for his big title bout with Heavy D. I don't know. Uh, he, wanted, he wanted to be the Heavy D champion of the world. I don't know what I was going with that. Wow,
0: you your childhood was a whole lot different than my adulthood. It
1: was, and then this documentary it uses like these really dramatic reenactments of certain moments in, like, Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson, and Bernard Hopkins' Re-enactments? lives. Reenactments? Yeah. There's this really weird reenactment where, like, Mike Tyson's talking about how uh, his family was basically, they were, like, sex workers, and he lived in, in uh, essentially lived in a whorehouse. And there was just, like, this, this little kid, who's uh, <laughs> supposed to be little Mike Tyson, just walking through a whorehouse. And it's like, I think I get the point. Like, I don't know that I need to see it. But um, what this documentary really does is it weaves a... Not super complex metaphor uh, about, you know, the violence in America from which these boxers hail and and then, you know, kind of juxtaposes that against the violent tendencies that are uh, inherent in all of us that makes us watch boxing in the first place. Oh. But they, I mean, and which is, don't get me wrong, it's, it's philosophical. It adds kind of a new facet. And I've, like, my dad has always said since I was very young, like, boxing is the last gladiatorial sport that we have. Oh, yeah. And I think then UFC like was like I don't know that's like throwing people to the lions I guess.
0: Well, that's almost like too much. Yeah, you know I mean yeah. that has its niche audience, but it's it's not you know it's, yeah. it's not Muhammad Ali or anything.
1: No, no, I mean and it's it's a very it's a very different sport. It's definitely a very different vibe. Um, if I had a problem with this documentary though, it, it's that it's it has all these celebrities, which makes it a, a much sexier documentary than you know what you might be expecting from a first time director. Um, and I I mean, I guess that's a good thing. And I do appreciate that it's attempting to be philosophical. I don't think it holds up very well as a sports documentary. No, I don't think it holds up well in the actual, like if you didn't know anything about these boxers, their life stories, I think it covers pretty well, but as far as like, actually, I don't like, I I've been spoiled, I think by ESPN documentaries, because I think those, a lot of those 90% of those find a really good way to balance the human issue with the competitive edge and with the actual sports legacy history. And this one, I felt like there were certain points where it got too, too up on the philosophical pedestal that when it came time to, for example, show Evander Holyfield's first fight, they showed entire, uh, rounds. Like just, it was like watching old footage, just the entire round. And I'm like, this feels like desperate padding out. Like you were like, oh, wait. We don't have enough sports footage. We're interviewing all these celebrities and having these really poignant, candid discussions with the boxers. But we don't really have enough of the actual sport. So let's just kind of lazily just drop entire chunks of of the Holyfield match just to watch the entire round. And I'm like...
0: You know, that stuff's
1: on YouTube, right? Exactly. And yeah. it's like, that's where the role of an editor in a documentary, I think, is so
0: important. Well, like when we were kings, I'm sure you've seen that. Yeah. That's the most amazing. Oh, absolutely. Documentary I've ever seen, ever. I mean, yeah. it explains why Muhammad Ali is Muhammad Ali. You know, mm. like why he is the greatest. Why? Yeah. The, I mean, everything about that movie is so great. It's, yeah. It's, it's just shockingly good.
1: Yeah. Magnetic. I think this is a a Really good documentary to check out, um, just to give it a watch and, and to see, hear some of the perspectives. But I, I think so much energy is expended to juggle like tragic origins and like uh and be socially conscious that most of the actual sports exploration falls by the wayside. And I know there are people that aren't going to have a problem with that, but I like sports, I'm a geek who actually likes sports inside the locker every week on one of us.net. Um, so I wanted to see a little bit more of the actual rise through the ranks of their accomplishments and I feel like that was really dealt with um very haphazardly. So
0: there's something weird to I I didn't see it so but there's something weird to me about uh dramatic reenactments in any kind of a documentary mm-hmm. because to me then you're you're uh romanticizing not in the lovey-dovey sense but in the making a fictional story out of a factual event you sure. know, or or a life. You're romanticizing that person's life. You're making a story out of it instead mm-hmm. of it just being his life. And it kind of fictionalizes nonfiction, and I, I, I find that troublesome.
1: That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Well, let's move
0: on to a portion of the show that I have deemed the
1: couplets. Yeah! So here's what we did. We realized that there were some themes this week in the releases we had to watch, and we realized that there were, very much like Noah... They came two by two, these different themes. Two by two. So what Johnny Neal and I have done is we have split up the two films of each of these themes, and we're each going to take one. And the first theme, are you ready? Are you ready? Ninjas. Ninjas. Kino Lorber has put out two of the greatest, trashiest 80s ninja movies because they couldn't get Ninja 3 the nomination because Shout Factory had beat them to it. So they released Enter the Ninja and Revenge of the Ninja.
0: I gotta tell ya... I drew the ace of spades in this pairing. <laughs> I you did. I saw one of the most entertaining movies I have ever seen in my entire life.
1: Now, you saw Revenge of the Ninja.
0: I saw it. I absorbed it, <laughs> I swished it around in my mouth like a wine connoisseur. I like this it. This movie was a delight. Now, this
1: is Sho Kasugi on his way up. Golan and Globus. I have um, no idea how
0: high he got. I,
1: well, it was in the ranks of canon films, pretty high, but the, uh, you know that okay. only goes so far. Um, so, Golan and Globus decided in the early 80s that ninjas were like the wave of the future. They, and they released their he first... He was right. They, they released... He was, the, he was a fortune teller. He, he was something. A shyster would have been a word I would have used. But um, he was... So, first they released a movie called Enter the Ninja, which is... This is not a porn movie. It's, it's not a porn movie. It is not a good movie either. I actually... I'm with you. I think Revenge of the Ninja is so much fucking fun. Oh, my God. It's not as stupid as uh, Ninja 3 The Domination. Like, I think, if I'm remembering this correctly... These are the three movies of the Ninja trilogy. Although, honestly, you could stick any two Ninja movies in front of Ninja 3 The Domination, and it would work, because none of this shit is connected. At all.
0: Well, none of the scenes are connected
1: what... <laughs> This movie... For as much now, as I love, sorry, it, we're jumping back and forth. Johnny's talking about Revenge of the Ninja, nineteen eighty. As,
0: as much as I love this movie, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever as far as internal story logic. So <laughs> you just said those three words about Revenge of the Ninja. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just made, I just wanted to make sure you heard that.
0: I I just it's one of those things that I'm I'm going okay. So he set up a gallery in L. A. <laughs> to sell. Japanese dolls as a means of smuggling heroin <laughs> into... Talk about your long con. I'm so just full plan. The white, guy, plan. The white plan. guy had to go to Japan, become friends with a ninja. Mm-hmm. Why you would pick the ninja guy to be your, your partner and keep him in the dark of... Of your of your really weird business plan, so he he's got like nine dolls mm-hmm. in this gallery, Tokyo in in this little shitty uh, place in L.A., and they're full of heroin. Yeah, but nobody's buying them. Okay. Why do you import heroin in a doll if nobody's buy Oh, by the way, good question. next time you're in a comic book store and and you see like a Spider-Man figure that costs seven hundred dollars? Cut its head off. It's it's full of heroin. Full of heroin. <laughs> Just bust its head off. That's why they're there. That's why those collector's <laughs> items are so expensive. I think the title of this episode is gonna be full of heroin. That's why you're like, oh, why does this Loki figure cost six hundred dollars? And why do I want it so bad? Because it's full of heroin.
1: Wow, you are opening my eyes. There
0: are so many people that you and I both know that have shelves full of heroin stuff, to action <laughs> figures. They're sitting on gold mines, that and they be. don't even know it.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. true. White gold mines. White gold mines. So Texas this is tea. I'm going to try and explain the plot of Revenge of the Ninja. Uh, yeah, so basically, you, you, you better Sh- Shokusugi plays uh, used to, a guy who used to be a ninja. He lives in Japan. His whole family's murdered, except for his youngest. Oh my son.
0: god, they're murdered in the first five minutes. It's not nice either. It's not nice. It's like a real nasty... it's so cheesy yeah. that it's... Okay, I was texting Brian while I watched... You were live, you were live <laughs> texting the movie. I was, I movie. was like, ah, i got to watch this ninja movie. And then as soon as it started, I cracked up laughing. And I laughed and loved it through the whole thing. Yeah. And now and then I'd have to send Brian a text. And my first text was... This is Will Ferrell's Casa de Mi papa <laughs> <laughs> I really expected Will Ferrell to pop up in this movie. Because everything about it is on par with a Will Ferrell spoof movie. Yeah. Only they take it real
1: seriously. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, I'm looking back through, the Junior Ninja just beat up a kid in a stray cat's jacket. <laughs> and threw leaves in his eyes. These are actual messages <laughs> I got from Johnny Neal. It's Little Kane. He broke one of the dolls and heroin spilled out. Damn it! That was the line. It's Little Kane. He broke one of the dolls and heroin spilled out. Damn it! This movie is awesome. Remember when every godfather was molded on Joe Pesci, which started our <laughs> Joe Pesci conversation in the first place. Yeah. Oh this my This guy goodness. was
0: the godfather of L.A., and he was like a bad Joe Pesci stuntman.
1: Yeah yeah,
0: <laughs> And and I don't know why he was so threatened By the Japanese guy Selling dolls full of heroin Because nobody was buying them Oh look, it's the village people His ex-cop friends His ex-cop friends
1: are all the village people He just pushed the bad guy down a slide Death by wet t-shirt contest <laughs> Shit, ninja's gonna ninch <laughs> These are
0: all messages I got from Johnny Neal while, while, while he was, he was at watching. work While he was at work not only,
1: okay, so you watched Revenge of the Ninja, which is the more fun of the two movies.
0: I recommend, this is my pick of the week, the best, <laughs> best movie ever. That I is I have fantastic. not enjoyed a movie like I enjoyed this one. I laughed, I cried, I laughed again. I really recommend that you, you watch this movie and then watch it again, because you're going to love it. You
1: know what? You're just going to love it. And watch that one twice instead of watching Enter the Ninja. I'm really oh. glad you didn't get that one, because... I love Franco Nero. Loved him. Oh, yeah. That Django is an amazing film. He plays a white ninja in this movie who like goes to <laughs> white th- first of all, can't ninja. let me stop everything and say that for the first ten minutes, ten minutes of this movie, there is not one spoken word. Oh. There is no dialogue. It is just a the lamest ninja battle you've ever seen that turns out to be a completely inexplicable training exercise a la the beginning of like From Russia With Love. Uh But at least in From Russia With Love they actually killed that guy, right? (laughs) At the end of this one guys are like coming and sitting down and taking off fake scars that they got. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How did you fake getting killed by a sword and produce... Like, Okay, first of all, it was a training exercise. Why did you even bother with the fake scars? Why couldn't you just (laughs) play dead? That makes no sense. And keep in mind that there's a scene in the beginning of the movie where Franco Nero, who it's never really explained why he's at the ninja compound and he's the only white guy, but keep in mind, Franco Nero does not speak English because he's Italian. Right. None of the Japanese actors spoke English,
0: so everyone is dubbed... Everyone yeah. is dubbed, yeah. so no one's actually speaking. It's all ADR. And so you know that none of them even know what the other one's actually saying. Yeah. So they're just like, stand over there and move your mouth up and down. Yeah. So this was
1: this was Manaheim Golan saying, no, this is what kids are into. I'm going to direct this movie myself. Uh, hilariously, this is how much of a shyster Manaheim Golan is. He wrote this movie for writer and stuntman Mike Stone, who was going to be playing the main character of Cole. He was cast, and they were about to start shooting, and they replaced him with Franco Nero because they didn't like his acting. But here's the kicker, and I mean that with all puns intended for this ninja movie. They made him stay on and do the stunts anyway. So all of the fighting in this movie is clearly, clearly not Franco Nero. In fact, at one point, Franco Nero goes to throw a spin kick, and in the reverse shot, the guy who threw that spin kick isn't wearing a shirt. But Franco Nero's in a full white linen suit. Oh, man. So it's like they didn't even care enough to like put the right clothes on the stuntman. They didn't give a shit. But the redeeming quality of this movie, I have to say, by the way, this is Shokosugi's first uh, leading role in, in an American film. Uh, he then went on to do Revenge of the Ninja, which is a much better, which much is more an fun awesome movie. movie. But this- Christopher George. If you're not familiar with Christopher George, he's always the guy I make fun of because in late 70s, early 80s horror movies, he's the guy that just doesn't give a fuck.
0: Christopher George is great. He's great, but he's
1: always like, like in uh, City of the Living Dead. He's just like, ah, okay, whatever. Well, Christopher or,
0: George was like a war hero in World War II, and then he was a big TV star, and, or maybe it was Korea, but he was in the Rat Patrol. Mm-hmm. He was in the Immortal. He was a he was a big guy when I was growing up. Oh no, and
1: and he's great. But one of the things that is always fun about him is that he really feels like he just drips through movies, like fuck well, by all that point y'all. In his life, I yeah. don't care. But in this movie, he is chewing scenery like it's cotton candy. He is playing, like, if you took every Bond villain, mashed them into one person, and then hit that person on the head with, like, a, a Roadrunner Wily e. Coyote mallet, it would be this guy. Ah. Like, at one point, he has all these girls in a pool doing, like, weird calisthenics, and he turns to one of his henchmen and goes, what do you think of my living mobile? <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck? And his henchman, who looks a lot like Wormtail from Harry Potter... And has a hook for a hand. Never understands. Like he's like, tell him to stop talking to me. (laughs) And he's supposed to talk to like the second in command. But he keeps trying to talk to Christopher George. And then keeps getting like his ass kicked for it. And I'm like, at what point would you learn not to try and talk to Christopher George? I gotta see this one now. I mean, it sounds like a lot of fun. But the actual fight sequences are really kind of lame. And it's just, like, it just it's not as fun. And I've seen the other two Ninja movies. So I actually watched them in reverse order. I saw Ninja 3 first, and then I saw Revenge of the Ninja, and then I saw Enter the Ninja. And that's the order of, like, insane fun for me. Like, I think Ninja 3 The Domination is so bizarre and off the wall that it's the most fun, followed very closely by Revenge of the Ninja, and then a distant third is Enter the Ninja. But they put out Enter the Ninja and um, Revenge of the Ninja on Blu-ray. So now you can own all of them on Blu-ray. So... Why not? Why not? Why not do that?
0: Cuz I don't know if one ninja movie is going to be enough. It might not be. I think you're going to have to I mean I'm I want more. I've, I've I'm going to live with the sting of that ninja and 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 need more ninja. We'll watch 9 deaths after this is over. So
1: the next pairing of movies, the next couplet is the Criterions of the week. We have oh, two Criterions. And while Johnny crazy. Neal may have won the Ninja Battle, <laughs> I definitely think I won the Criterion Battle. But oh, you, know what? you won the you Criterion You know what, Johnny Neal? Battle. I'm going to let you talk about your Criterion pick well, not your pick. I made you watch it um, because mine. I had been on my musty list for a while. You'd already seen it, so I was like, "Okay, well, you watch this one." What did you watch, Johnny Neal?
0: I watched the great Charles Chaplin. Oh, he's amazing. He was Charles at
1: this point. Oh, he was okay. Charles in charge of his name, at least. He was
0: Charles Chaplin in a 1952 movie called Limelight, which is considered by many to, to be, be a this, Rush song. This. <laughs> or a or a 1980s disco in New York City. It oh, used to be a church. There you go. It was in uh, Bad Lieutenant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, basically what Limelight means is when an old man spends a whole movie jacking off on pictures of himself when he was younger. <laughs> <laughs> this okay, was, wait, is that the plot or is that your assessment of this movie? That's pretty much like if I would have dozed off in the middle of this two-hour and 17-minute movie that, again, was made in 1952 and feels like it was made in 1922. oh It's got... Like, I don't know about you, but this is feeling 22.
1: No? Okay, that's fine. Is that, Not a big Taylor Swift fan, It's uh, okay. I
0: thought it was John Cougar.
1: <laughs>
0: Little diddy about it, Charles Chablis. i you sing something, I'm imagining it's got to be... Cougar? John Cougar. But, Cougar. Yeah. And I don't care if he married into that melon camp money. He's still John Cougar. He's he? Cougar. Just like Charles Chaplin
1: is always going to be fucking Charlie Chaplin. He's always going to be Charlie Chaplin. Fuck yes, Johnny Neal.
0: And this movie sucks, is all I'm going to say. <laughs> it's, and, and it didn't have to suck. That's what's so bad about it. He directed it. He wrote it. He starred in it. And what happens in this movie, he comes home drunk. He's a washed up mime. Which, I mean, how long how wow. how can you ride that train anyway, right? Well,
1: I mean, if that's not a clear like representation of moving out of the silent era into talkies, being a washed-up mime. He's 62. A performer that doesn't speak. He's but he,
0: 62 but you by know, the time he did. Exactly. Yeah, but that's got
1: to be what the, the statement so he's, he's making. he's still
0: going through all this silent movie shtick mm. but he's like, oh, I'm drunk, so that's why I'm <laughs> overacting silently. So what? I'm drunk. And a girl has tried, Claire Bloom, who was just stunningly beautiful, and she... She's, you know, like 90 now. She uh, has turned on the gas, drank some poison, and is dying in her uh, little apartment. And he breaks in and he rescues her. And then he's stuck with her.
1: Not so happy to be stuck with you.
0: But he kinda he this is the thing that makes the movie so bad. Okay. Is that there are moments when it's so good. <laughs> he's talking to her and he's quite charming. I mean, you know, mm. you can imagine what kind of life he had led by the time he was sixty two. Sure. Had, you know? And he's telling her, like, why did you try to kill yourself? And she's and he said, uh she said, I'm sick. And he said, are you sick because you're a girl that has left home? And meaning, meaning do you have VD? (laughs) Are you pregnant? I mean, that's what he means when he talks to her and she looks at him like, I don't know what you mean. He goes, I don't judge. It's okay. If this is the kind of sickness you have, I know people that can fix that. And you're like, wow, this is a cool character, you know, like,
1: A little bit more progressive than you might think. And this is all
0: like in the first 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, for 1952, for him to be that blatant. Yeah. And then she goes, no, I had scarlet fever and I'm a ballerina and I can't dance anymore. And he's like, oh, well, let me entertain you with my mime antics. And then he spends the rest of the movie doing shitty mime stuff. And it's filmed, it's like he wanted to cash in on the Marx Brothers, and even then he was 10 years too late. Yeah. He was trying to do this vaudeville shtick, and he had no sound for most of those performances, so they're just really bad and dated. And then, here's when it turns into him jacking off on his his own old pictures. She falls in love with him, even though he says, I've been married five times, I'm happy to have a platonic relationship with a friend. Mm Mm-hmm. She falls in love with him, and he's like, no, you're not. I just helped you. And she just goes, no, you're just so wonderful. You're the best guy in the world. By the end of it, he dies, and she dances. It sucked. <laughs> it's two hours and 17 minutes. And I, you, know, you look online, and everybody in the world is like, oh, my God, it's a classic. Everything he ever did was wonderful. No, City Lights is a classic. City, City Lights, Lights is, is one of the best movies ever Modern made. Modern Times is a classic. This guy was not made out I mean, you would think In 1952 He would have said Hey, one of you directors That's a little younger than me That knows how to make movies With microphones involved Maybe you <laughs> could give me some pointers On how to punch this up a little bit
1: Maybe that's what the, the guys Who made uh, Tracers were trying to do is, is copy that style They didn't know how to make
0: talkies <laughs> <laughs> exactly They were following In Charles Chaplin's Big old oversized Shoe footprints So are there Special features On I this Blu-ray? I roof? didn't watch Anything special yeah, on it me- I couldn't take it By the end of Two hours and 17 minutes uh, there- By the end of Two hours I'm like He's dead I'm glad he's dead
1: Yeah these are The messages I got From Johnny Neal About this movie this movie is fucking killing me. I'm glad he's dead. Yes, I know he would be like 200 now, but goddamn, this movie bites. Thinks he's so cool. And then I love this one. Jesus Christ, finally, two hours 17 minutes is a long fucking movie. I should bring it to you so that we could be the only two people in the world, besides Joe McCarthy and several former child brides, to ever talk shit about Charlie <laughs> Chaplin. Fuck. Dear Criterion, more ninja movies, less Charlie Chaplin. Love Johnny Neal. <laughs> I, see I can't, like... I can't concentrate at all at work because I'm laughing so <laughs> hard when these messages come in. This does have a... It's a new 4K restoration. Uh, there's uh, there's a, a video essay by biographer David Robinson. It's called Chaplin's Limelight. It's Evolution and in Intimacy. New interviews with actors Claire Bloom and Norman Lloyd. Uh, Chaplin Today, a 2002 documentary. Archival audio of Chaplin recording two short excerpts from his novella Footlights. Uh, two short films by Char- Charlie Chaplin Outtakes in two trailers uh, An essay by Peter uh, Von Baugh I mean there's a shit ton Of special features for what is apparently Not a very good movie Oh
0: but if you read the Criterion page Everybody's writing it and saying Oh my god this movie is so wonderful It's wonderful and I'm like yeah, you people are stupid. You
1: know what is a wonderful, awesome movie that deserves every bit of praise it's ever gotten and I finally got to see it for the first time? I'm going to let you say it. The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Ooh. Which Johnny Neal told me, and I didn't know this, was written uh, was based on a book by the same author who wrote Coogan's Trade, which became the movie Killing Them Softly in 2012, which was a movie that I didn't initially like very much because, really? I, because it played up so heavily uh, the parallel of the economic Right downturn in two thousand eight, seven or eight or whatever, Um, and it was just so overwhelmingly present that it became super text. It wasn't even subtext anymore. Okay, and I
0: could see that, but I still loved it. Well,
1: but see, going back to it, I've watched it a couple times since theaters, and even before I watched this, and I thought there's a lot of really beautiful stuff here. There's a lot of really gorgeous cinematography, and I really like some of these characters. I just wish it wasn't so over the top with its trying to create a parallel between the middle class and like. The completely, the underworld and the middle class,
0: I And the election. Yeah. But you know what's funny is
1: you telling me that about the book, and when the book was written, and it's like, that shit wasn't in the book. That hadn't happened yet when the book was written. (laughs) Right. And immediately preceding that book is The Friends of Eddie Coyle, which was adapted into this 1973 film from Peter Yates, who you might know as the director of Krull. Oh, fuck yeah, Krull. And also Bullet and, you know, several... (laughs) Movies that people actually... Okay, yeah,
0: both, the same guy, yeah, of course.
1: absolutely. Now, this is a film that stars Robert Mitchum, who's one of my absolute favorite actors of all time. All time. If you haven't seen Night of the Hunter, stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. Go watch that movie. It's not funny, but, boy, it's making money. Um, I don't go, know. Go, sorry.
0: That was good. Um, I'm wrapping. Go see uh, one of my top five movies of all time. Which, would you know how that that list changes a oh, little bit. Oh, of course. But Friends of Eddie Coyle is in that top five, and also in that top five is Out of the Past with Robert Mitchum. Nice. The quintessential film noir.
1: Very, very true. So, Friends of Eddie Coyle, this is how I described this movie uh, via the the sounding board of excellence that is Twitter. I said that this is a movie that is the eulogy for the romantic notion of honor among thieves. Yeah. Like this is the death knell for the idea that there's a heart of gold in every hooker. Like this, this movie is about a guy named Eddie Coyle who is named Fingers Coyle because there was a weapons deal he was a part of that went bad. Somebody stuck his hand in a drawer and smashed it. And there's this great piece of. That was the other thing that was great about uh, killing them softly. Is there is a lot of great dialogue in that yeah. movie and it's it's come it must come straight from the source because there's really brilliant dialogue in this too uh, he has this great conversation about he's like how many he's making a deal uh an arms deal with this younger guy and he's like how many how many knuckles a do you have a guy on my named hands? Jackie Brown named Jackie Brown he's like, how many knuckles do you count on my hand he's like what you didn't look at it very closely I have an extra set of knuckles and it goes into this story and it's like it was almost like watching Robert Shaw do that that speech about the Indianapolis yeah you know and it was just so good. And so, Eddie Coyle is, you know, he's been busted for driving a, a truck full of stolen goods. He's going to be going up to New Hampshire for sentencing. Looks like he's going to go away, but not for a super long time. Like, they're thinking like three to five years. He's a hood.
0: He's He's been in and out of the he's system his whole a, life. He's a hood and a criminal, but he's not some big gangster. No. Which is what most hoods and criminals are. They're just hoods and criminals. He's a hustler, baby. And he once it happens once, you're stuck in that life for the rest of your life. Yeah. And he's... You know what? He's pushing sixty in this. Well, he, he's in his early
1: early fifties. I think early he says. Early fifties. And, and one of the things about him is that he's buying and selling weapons for this group of uh, bank robbers led by
0: Alex Rocco, the
1: great Alex Rocco, The great Alex Rocco from the Godfather from Detroit Nine Thousand. Oh, great! Absolutely fantastic actor, and pulling off these really cool heists where he like kidnaps the bank manager, and it's it's it feels very much like a. Like that gritty seventies, you know, crime like like you would see, you know. Everything
0: and, is street level, everything yes. is eye level camera yes. work, yes. There's no, there's nothing epic except the guts of it. You yes. know? It's uh it's Boston, it's cold and damp, everybody's broke. Everybody's you know?
1: a working class criminal.
0: Everybody's a working class criminal. And that's like,
1: exactly what Eddie Coyle is, to the point that he's actually he's not going along on the robberies, he's just supplying the guns. Yeah. And the whole time, and this is what's great about this movie. The whole time, he's informing on everyone he sells guns to and buys guns from to the authorities to try and reduce his own sentence. So even as he's providing guns for these robberies, he's informing on the guys selling him the guns. Then he's informing on the guys doing the robbery. And it's just about him trying to save his own skin. And you realize that this is not not a lovable antihero. This is a really just... These morally are, wretched human being they,
0: well they're just desperate these are yeah. desperate but, people
1: but that's what's so great about it is like you could almost understand and empathize if he was that desperate but again they make it very clear he's gonna go away for at max five years yeah and he's willing to sell everyone he knows down the river to avoid going to jail for five years and you think that might be as morally complex as this movie gets but it's not because Peter Boyle who is also a great actor who I don't think gets enough credit. Peter
0: Boyle is one of the greatest people who's ever lived. Did you know? Did I know? That he was the best man at John and Yoko's wedding? I did not know that Isn't Peter Boyle. is that fascinating? That is really he fascinating. And John, he and <laughs> He just stood there <laughs> and all and John, of a sudden he went, no, he John, oh no, no reds! <laughs> <laughs> Peter Boyle, the great Peter Boyle and John Lennon were best friends forever. Mm-hmm. Which, who would have saw that coming? yeah. So just just to throw that out, there.
1: I like that. But Peter Boyle's character, who actually uh, is a character who's played by a different who's played by Sam Shepard in Killing Them Softly, but it's a character that appears in both movies because he was in both books. Oh,
0: I didn't make that connection.
1: Um, he's also informing to the police,
0: and he's a bartender,
1: and he's a bartender, so he and has hi- a
0: day job, and
1: he's higher up the chain, you know, connected wise than Eddie Coyle is. But then he's like, he's got this moral outrage about Coil informing. Like, it's just so everybody in this movie is full of shit. Everybody yeah. in this movie is so full. They're there is absolutely, but there's no honor there. There's no because you watch there's these, not. I,
0: They're
1: and criminals. I, I get that in real life that's the case, but you watch most crime epics right. and they're all about how you know these criminals are anti-heroes that we respect in some way because we kind of want to be them we kind of want to live on the fringe and, and but they have their own code and that's what we respect.
0: There's no fucking code in this movie at all. Well and and to reflect on Killing Them Softly that's what Brad Pitt's trying to do through the whole, it, to me Brad Pitt was the Peter Boyle character because uh, in Killing Them Softly when Ray Liotta, it's like Just let me just shoot him. Why does he have to get beat up? That's so unpleasant. Yeah. I mean, his code is it doesn't have to be bad. It's just business. Yeah. Let's just we don't have to get revenge. We just have to tie up loose ends, and that's what Peter Boyle is like. Well, I'll just take care of him. They takes him, gets him drunk, takes him to a hockey game. You know, and and it's kind of like I could have made this ugly. Instead, he passes out, and I take him. I'm I'm not.
1: I'm not going to tell you what happens at the end of this movie. Yeah, because it's 40 years old. Well, but still. But still, I just want to say this. What I loved about the ending of this movie, like, not the final shot, which is also tremendous, but the ending of the story is that you keep waiting for the thing that would happen in any other movie to happen, and it doesn't. No.
0: And you realize that there's... It's very existential. It's so bleak. It's so bleak. It's so beautifully bleak. Have you ever been in Boston in the winter? It's no, very bleak. I have not. I have not. <laughs> it is so bleak. I mean that whole the whole movie is so bleak and so Beautifully done. Mm-hmm. It's just so well put together. Everything about it—the dialogue, the acting—everybody looks lived in. You kind of forget that they're actors, even though they're huge actors. They're, they're huge it has that, it
1: has that um, John Cassavetes feel, yeah, big where you time, feel like you're watching—you feel like you're not watching a documentary, but watching someone's home movies that they didn't want you to see. Yes, yeah. everybody feels that authentic.
0: And actually, if you were to take the ultimate. Car chase out of bullet, you mm. pretty much have the friends of Eddie Coyle from the cop perspective. That's true. I mean, except for that car chase, most of that movie, I mean, Steve McQueen barely has 10 lines in that mm-hmm. whole movie. Yeah. It's all just atmosphere and drag. I think this is
1: everything you need to know about the kind of tone of the movie. This is a great line from the uh, Criterion plot description on the back of the box a suspenseful crime drama in stark, unforgiving daylight.
0: Oh yeah
1: It's so true Like so much of this movie Just happens in the light of day And really makes you understand That like These guys are just despicable And I I love I loved Loved this movie This is excellent This is my pick of the week Oh yeah Without question The Friends
0: of Eddie Coyle guys Pick that shit up It's my I have bought this movie I bought it on uh, DVD And then I bought it on Blu-ray Nice It's it's, uh I mean It's just that good of a movie Um I, I can't even tell you How many times I've seen it a part of its legacy, if you are Justified fans, and you should be, the last episode of Justified... Which, if you haven't seen, don't listen. That was the paperback <laughs> that Raylan had in his hand. He he picks up the paperback of uh, Friends of Eddie Coyle by George Higgins, and Tim says, How many times have you read that? And he says, If I said 100, it wouldn't be enough. And he says, yeah. Is it any good? <laughs> and he throws it to him. And he says, Mail it back to me when you're done. Nice. It was just so great. Because... If anything you learn on Justified, none of those guys have any honor either. It was go. like, oh, okay, that's that's Raylan's uh, training manual. There you go. So, yeah, I love Friends of Eddie Coyle. Everything about that movie works for me.
1: And our next couplet, our next duo of movies, our 2 by 2 is itself a duo of 2 by 2 movies. Double features. Double features that are about animals that eat people. And it is called uh, yours that you got. Was Empire of the Ants slash Jaws of Satan, and let me tell you,
0: they're both pretty great.
1: I knew you would like Empire <laughs> of the Ants. As soon as you said you hadn't seen them, I'm like that feels like a Johnny Neal movie to oh me. Oh my
0: god! I, and th- this was the kind of movie that. Do you want to say your your two as well? Oh uh, yeah, my two were Food of the Gods
1: and Frogs. Frogs, frogs is what's you, for did, dinner. What do you think of frogs? Uh, say, friend, <laughs> you ever been out <laughs> taking photos in nature? And you happen to notice the frogs are getting a little bigger. And then all of a sudden, people are getting eaten
0: by trees. <laughs> because that happens in frogs. You ever tried to spend a weekend with Ray Miland? Can I get a good sarsaparilla to wash the taste of this
1: frogs movie off my career? By the way, Sam Elliott stars in frogs. He's like... Babyface young, yeah. still super studly, uh, Sam Elliott. Before, he's
0: 70 and he's still super studly. <laughs> before
1: he became the voice of, of the American West, somehow yeah. the last cowboy. With,
0: for, for a guy from Sacramento, by
1: Well, the way. friend, <laughs> sometimes when you're heading for a nice kombuchins and <laughs> tofu, that's not even let my me, Let me tell you, the that's, frogs abide. You, the fro- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's start with your movies, Empire okay. of the
0: Ants and Jaws of Satan. Empire of the Ants is based on it. H.G. Wells story That I can only say Is probably very loosely based <laughs> On H.G. Wells <laughs> Probably very loosely based It starts with a, a boat Just dumping big metal barrels That are labeled radioactive waste Into the ocean Because that's what you do They're not even in concrete sure. or anything They're just dumping them Sure And uh, and then one of them Washes ashore in Florida Where Joan Collins Bow down before Joan Collins Because Joan Collins is it is uh, a real estate uh, scam artist trying to sell Swampland to some people that are there on a tour. Guess who one of the people on the tour is?
1: Who's one of the people on the tour?
0: Chris Pine's father. Really? Yep, Robert Pine. I did
1: not know that was his father. That's interesting. That's
0: him, the one with the bad comb-over Dutch boy haircut. That's Chris Pine's dad. Uh, Apparently, if you... If you eat radioactive silver paint that's leaking out of a barrel and you're an ant, you'll grow really, really big, like in five (laughs) minutes. You don't just get cancer and die. You you grow huge, and then you put out endorphins that make it – you have to listen to the narrator at the beginning or you're going to be lost. The narrator (laughs) at the beginning tells you how how you have no choice – how the ants have no choice but to listen to their queen.
1: I'm gonna stop you. Even if you do listen to the narrator, you're probably still gonna be lost. This is a fucking weird movie.
0: It's very weird. It goes from like giant 1950s giant bugs mm-hmm. to uh, weird devil cult.
1: Well, it's it's like so it's so 50s up until the moment where it's so 70s. It's,
0: and it's like uh, the the chick that's in it who is like one of those hot chicks that's been in a million TV shows but has never been a star. Yeah. And uh Robert Pine is like, "Hey, let's go to the woods and let's rape you." You know, like <laughs> I mean, like it just jump cuts from them standing in a little tent drinking drinking cheap vodka to them in the woods and her going, "No, no." Anyway, it's it's a great movie. It's great fun. It's a drive-in movie. Uh but there aren't drive-ins anymore. But that's where it played. Primarily. And it's kind of mean-spirited too. Like there's oh. that scene where that
1: old couple on the tour is like hiding out from the ants. They come out and they think it's safe, and then they're just surrounded by them. <laughs> and
0: it's such a great shot. And it's
1: just like you're gonna die now. Sorry, and, old folks.
0: And they go, oh, I think we won. I think we waited about. And everybody is very much like, uh, you need to die. I'm gonna keep running. Talk yeah. about no uh, honor among real estate guys who just wanted to <laughs> Wait, go. And is get that a free what we were drink. talking about? I don't remember that's what we were talking about The, uh, the Eddie Coyle guys yeah. If the ants would have come along
1: yeah, uh, right. Peter
0: Boyle wouldn't have survived that even No either. he would not yeah, yeah. Whoever runs fastest But it, it's, uh, it's a great movie I loved it Empire of the Ants I loved it. There's no extras, and I really wanted some kind of cheesy extras. What about uh, Jaws of Satan? Jaws of Satan. Sounds like it's about a shark, right? Yeah,
1: the word jaws would make you think. Satan?
0: Satan. Jaws? Yeah. It's about a big, giant rubber cobra. Uh, Hey, you want to hear my cobra story? Sure. My first night in (laughs) India. My first night after we had flown in. It's like, takes forever. I lived there for two years. Fly into India and we're bribing my son, like, okay, we'll go downtown and buy you a toy. Well, it's like Blade Runner in India when you go downtown. It's so our we had a driver, he drops us off in front of this toy store, and then he goes driving around the block and he comes back to pick us up while you know, when we're standing out there, because there's nowhere to park, because it's fucking India and there's a billion people there, and it's like Blade Runner. I'm not bullshitting you. If Blade Runner didn't have electricity. So I'm standing there This little kid comes walking up And he looks like Haji And he's got like uh, One of those tortilla bread things You know The baskets The little baskets Like tortillas Like flat Yeah yeah And I'm thinking Oh you know A street kid He he sells bread To the people Who are working Over here Because there's welders And stuff There's always stuff going on And uh, he walks up to me and he's a little skinny Indian kid And he sticks his basket up in my face And I'm like I, I don't want to buy any bread I don't want to talk to you Leave me alone you-, you probably have leprosy And he pulls the lid Off of the basket And I'm talking He's two feet away from my face And he's <laughs> like six inches From my son's face Who's only like seven at the time Yeah And inside the basket Is a coiled up snake And it just sits up And it's a fucking cobra <laughs> It's not huge, like the big rubber one in this movie, but it's real.
1: That's fucked up. The
0: head is about as big as my thumb, and it sits up, and I'm like, oh, shit. And then he puts the lid back on it, and, and he looks at me like, are you going to give me any money? I'm or am like, I going to have to stick or am I gonna cobra to do on this? this? And I'm like, you know what? And I stick Bronson behind me, uh-huh. and I said, you need to go away from me. I don't want you around me. So he opens it, and this time, the cobra doesn't get up. It stays there, so he starts thumping it with his <laughs> finger, and then it sits up and it's like sticking its tongue out. Oh. And I'm like, "Get away!" And finally, these Indian dudes tell the kid to run away. Jesus Christ! That was a pretty horrifying event. Jesus Christ, Johnny Neal,
1: <laughs> you have had some interesting travels. Again, we're going to get that podcast together where you just talk about <laughs> my travels
0: like are better than Mordecai's. I can <laughs> That's tell you for that damn way. sure. So, Jaws of Satan, Satan, Satan? wants to kill. <laughs> to Isn't kill. that special, Fritz Weaver. Do You know Fritz Weaver? I don't know Fritz. He, he was—I uh, believe he must be a stage guy. He was in a okay. lot of Twilight Zones. Oh, okay. He was the guy who built the supercomputer in Demon Seed. Oh, he's a very familiar yes, face. yes, 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 yes. He plays a priest who drinks a lot and doesn't really give a shit about being a priest. So priest, but he's like a third generation priest. Or okay. Something. Like I didn't know that was possible. But you know. <laughs> it just... Dep- he's not a third generation Catholic priest. I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know because this little town in uh, Alabama uh, has a lot of Catholics. I don't know how some reason Satan inhabits this King Cobra.
1: <laughs> sure. Like you And
0: did. Okay. Here's the funny part. Out of nowhere, a padlock breaks off of the cage that the Cobra is in. A door opens on the train car, because he's in a train car, and a guy gets thrown out of the train all by the psychological power of of telekinesis of a cobra right yeah well what's the point of biting anybody if you can do all that <laughs> shit
1: that's like it's <laughs> like a killer shark who kills people by running them over with his Volkswagen,
0: it's like what? Why does? And then he comes out, and he's just this big rubber snake that's oh so God. rubber. He's funny, you know. I mean, it really <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah. It's like a weird Muppet horror movie. And and <laughs> and whenever he bites somebody, it's like somebody has this rubber snake, and they're holding it like a bat, and they just <laughs> whack somebody. It's like a blackjack. It's not a black cobra. It's a blackjack. Like you never see the fangs. You just see them standing there, like no, no, and then it's like thunk. <laughs> they have to take the punch.
1: Maybe that's what happened to Gwyneth Paltrow on the Mordecai cover. She got oh no. she got blackjacked with the snake puppet. <laughs> Infinity That's the weirdest sentence I've ever said. And that is pretty weird, but
0: she was married to a rock star. She got black jackblass snake puppet. You know what I mean? Most people will not. Uh Christina Applegate, about ten years old, is in this. That's too bad. For some reason, they the the big conflict is all the snakes in town are obeying the satanic snake, who was only there to make this priest stop being a priest. I don't really know. Um And it feels like, Father Karras' crisis of faith in snake form. It feels like a a made for TV movie. People are getting bitten by snakes and, uh, it's very seventies. And so the conflict is, are they going to open up the dog track, the dog racing track? In light of the snake infestation, that Gee, the I town hope has. they do,
1: Johnny Neal. I really, like. I, I'm really rooting for that. So to the happen.
0: mayor who says we're opening that track,
1: oh, because there has to be the mayor that ignores the ignores threat, ignores the snake
0: threat. The, while God. his daughter, Christina Applegate, gets bitten by a snake. Oh,
1: uh, wouldn't you know it? I know. My kids were in that pond too, Brody.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying. Amityville means. a Friendship <laughs> uh, Amity as you know means friendship Amity as you know means friendship So this is definitely A completely moronic Tale well told I enjoyed the shit out of this movie Nice yeah, nice. I really did the whole double feature I, I enjoyed I was glued
1: So here's here's what I don't understand about these double features And how they're split up You had Empire of the Ants Yes, Which is a Burt I. Gordon who by the way is like the king of giant things movies. American International. Yeah, he, all he made were movies about giant spiders and bugs and whatever. But you have Empire of the Ants, Bert Burt I. Gordon movie where he is loosely adapting H.G. Wells. I also, on my double feature, have a Burt I. Gordon movie in which he is loosely adapting H.G. Wells in Food of the Gods. Why aren't those two their own double feature?
0: Did you have the trailers... For these two movies, as I I believe I did. Yes, on yours? That's I believe I did. One of the only extras that it had was the trailers for, uh, for these.
1: Yeah, I, I think they. I, I think it actually did. But um, so yeah, so I got frogs and Food of the Gods. Now, Food of the Gods is a movie about. Um, okay, so this food, this magical food, just starts bubbling up out of the earth. So of course, Podunk British Columbia farmers feed it to their chickens. <laughs> yeah, that's the plot. I be mean, shit you not. That's the plot of what this movie. Is it? It's like like they think the it's stuff? Been, the, exactly. It's exactly like the fucking stuff. It just comes out of the earth. They're like, well, obviously God gave this to us, so let's feed it. Chickens.
0: Yeah, okay, you want to hear something funny? This is my childhood that you're talking about, right? This these were these you, were the movies you fed that, bubbling up food. From the these were the movies chickens? that you'd oh, okay. see the commercials for, and you're like, oh I wish I had a car and I wasn't ten, yeah. so I could go see this at the drive-in because that's the only place it's gonna play." Yeah, right. This was at the same time as Chariots of the Gods ah. was uh, the the big UFO. The Danish guy that wrote the book about. UFOs that like landed in Peru And Egypt and stuff Mm -hmm. So there were commercials for chariots of the gods And food of the gods And there were really cheap commercials So it was like Did the gods come and make the rats get big? (laughs) What's happening here? Yeah (laughs) Times were really
1: different then So when you know that the crazy farmers Are feeding their chickens uh, Magic food to make them bigger uh, and, And then other animals like you know, rats and wasps and grubs and all these animals are getting into it and growing huge and killing people. We need someone to save the earth, and of course, that person has to be a professional football player. Who oh, was it? No, no, like the, the character is a oh, professional it football wasn't player. OJ Simpson? No, it J. wasn't. Game it wasn't. It wasn't an actual recognizable. Was it Marjo Gortner? It, uh, yeah, Marjo Gortner,
0: former child preacher. Uh Wait, was it? Yeah. Uh, Mar- that's who Marjo Gordner Marjo Gordner. Okay, yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. He was a celebrity because he was a a child preacher who then tried to become a movie star. They made a documentary about that's him.
1: So weird. I didn't know that he was
0: in Earthquake. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I think he was in. He was in a couple of shitty '70s
1: movies. Well, he's on the island for a hunting trip, and one of his buddies is killed by a giant wasp. So of course, he becomes the guy that's man. That would suck, right? That
0: That would suck. This it? is a lot
1: of poof. Yeah, just ooh. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this is a lot of you know <laughs> badly rotoscoped actual animals who are just made to look bigger, bigger. But the, when they're filming them, they're just kind of standing there like I don't, I don't know what oh, you want what me I to do. To or do. puppets that yeah. look terrible, but you can actually well, the, like
0: the, the the chickens look. Pretty hysterical. Yeah. Because they're like, I'm just a chicken, man. It, it, it's a, I'm not like, mad about anything. I'm a chicken. A big I rubber chicken really- head
1: like attacking that gets fucking hysterical. <laughs> so that's Food of the Gods uh, for several, several minutes. If you haven't seen the sequel, by the way, which is called Na, Food of, the, Food of the Gods 2, there's a scene in that movie where there's a giant child. I think his name is like Timmy. And they bring this like child psychologist up to meet him. And they're like, <laughs> okay, but don't be alarmed. He's He doesn't look like other kids. And he comes out of the bathroom and he's like nine feet tall and the doctor's like hi timmy i I think uh, you and i will get along fine and the kid goes i think you need to get the fuck out of my room (laughs) and they played it at the alamo draft house as a don't talk psa because it is when you see it you're just like what the fuck is happening on screen right now and that's pretty much uh, food of the gods the first one as well as is the movie frogs now frogs is a movie that i was aware of by the way food of the gods poster true struzan just saying. It may be a terrible movie, but Drew Struzan does a really gorgeous fucking... Oh, film. yeah, yeah. It looks like Gone with the Wind with a rat. It like, does, doesn't know, it? Kind of strange. Um, but Frogs is a movie I had always seen on, on video store shelves with that great cover of a frog with a guy's arm hanging out of its mouth. So immediately you think, this movie's going to be about frogs eating people. It's not about frogs eating people. No. But, but th- at all... They're the
0: masterminds.
1: They're though. they're the harbingers. Yes. They let you know. It's like Day of the Animals. Did you ever see that? William Girdler's yeah. Day of the Animals? Yeah where they like they basically insinuate conspiracy between the animals by showing them sitting next to each other right exact same situation with it's this kind of like
0: the birds
1: yeah exactly it, it's this all apparently all these movies exist because of the success of willow because when Willow, ca- Willow, no, Willard, sorry, oh yeah, Willard. Because when Willard came out, it was like nature runs amok, animals start killing, and all of these movies of like ecology strikes back, well, yeah, exactly became it was a part, thing, part of the
0: ecology, thing yeah. Too, so it yeah. was like
1: a yeah, very green movement, and the horror movie, and the horror movies started to reflect that. Really, what Frogs is about is the frogs are on this island um, in Louisiana, in Louisiana, where a uh, a nature photographer has his boat capsized by this yokel. Yokel takes him back to meet his in-laws, his very rich family, uh the patriarch of which is played by Ray Miland who used to be amazing. Uh he's also in this. Um he's in a wheelchair, right? He, he's in the movie. He's not uh, he's not It's excellent. like a plantation. Yeah, it's definitely a plantation replete with um the way he talks to his his uh black maid oh, Maybell. Yeah. It's like, "Oh my god." Um so yeah. so a very young, very shorn uh Sam Elliott is like you know, sir, I think the problems you're having around here is that nature's trying to fight back. And he's like, That's preposterous, you fucking hippie. And yeah. Um, <laughs> but the whole thing is, like, people are killed in this movie in the dopiest fucking ways imaginable. Like, they trip and fall into water, and then, like, um, you know, like, leeches start attacking them. Yeah. Or,
0: or there's a the snapping more... turtle one. That still gives me, like, ooh, Yeah. I, I guess see that's a snapping true. snapping turtle in, I think. But I oh, kept waiting for that. a
1: frog to actually fucking eat someone, and it never happens well. and then well it's called frogs for fuck's sake <laughs> look at the put. Po- this is false advertising johnny neal well
0: this is a boring movie of satan isn't called cobras
1: that's pff, i guess that's true uh but he actually does kill someone with his jaws so i think that's less false advertising this i don't know like I think
0: it was more of a blunt trauma though the yeah way they actually
1: filmed this it. Ce- this uh, there's a scene where like the, this tree, like this willow tree, like the leaves start coming down. There's all these tarantulas. Yeah, like you have in Louisiana, apparently. Probably. No, there aren't tarantulas there's in something. Louisiana. No, there aren't. There's and, bugs. There's bugs. Yes, there aren't there's fucking a tarantulas. Big
0: fucking bugs in Louisiana.
1: Yes, but no fucking tarantulas. All like wearing beads. It's one thing that like nature goes amok, but when nature starts like outsourcing shit and importing creatures that don't live in the regions where the movie takes it's place, it's a
0: slave state. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a lot that originated there are you saying- A lot of shit happens Wait, in Are you Louisiana. saying that
1: Mother Nature Went to like you know South America or Texas or wherever the fuck Tarantulas actually come from Stole a bunch of them, put them on a boat And shipped them to Louisiana
0: Plymouth Rock fell on those motherfuckers And that's frogs um- I love this movie, this is one of those movies I saw 20 million times when I was a kid And I absolutely love this
1: movie You should try watching it as an adult I'd be interested to see if you have the same reaction uh, I'm really sad about this You know what else made you sad that you talked to me
0: about Was Magical Universe you, know, <laughs> you want to talk a little bit about Magical Universe Okay anybody who's ever Had any kind of appreciation for Outsider art like the Darger Paintings and, and uh, Marwin Call uh, You know the, j- here's the thing Just because you're crazy and you make Shit out of garbage That doesn't make you an artist Really? Yeah, and um, just because you live in Brooklyn and you have a camcorder and you know a guy that's crazy who makes shit out of garbage and you make a movie about it doesn't make you a documentarian. Yeah. This movie is so bad and it's so bad that I actually started thinking about 15 minutes in that it was some kind of, uh, of a found footage horror movie. Like at some point, the artist guy that this couple kind of adopted that was really creepy was going to turn on him and it was going to be like found footage. I mean, that would be a good premise, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it turns out that he's, you know, some human centipede guy, you know, and he's, you know. After a (laughs) while, it's like I was falling asleep. This guy was making videos of Barbie dolls in Sears catalogs, and he was really creepy and not in a delightfully creepy way. It Not was the shittiest also, movie.
1: Also a uh, quaint crazy way. No,
0: nothing. He was just gross. Mm-hmm. Everything about him was gross. He had aquariums full of guppies, like so many guppies that you couldn't even see through it and <laughs> the water was all murky. And and I really was like, What is your point, filmmaker guy? And then I just, I turned it off. I couldn't take it. This anymore. is like the Errol Morris of our previous episode. Oh, my God. But Morris, this, apparently. this is much worse because this is a guy who, like, blew Errol Morris. And, wow. And, and swallowed his his essence, hoping that he would become Uber Morris. And instead he just turned into just a shithead. Like Marwin Call was a pretty interesting movie because the art that this guy made with the G.I. Joes was pretty fascinating and intricate. This guy just makes ugly shit out of Barbies.
1: Now, now, Johnny Neal, to to Errol is human. So.
0: Oh! Hey, oh! Hey, and to well, frog is divine. It
1: apparently to frog is divine. And I got to tell you, when you were telling me about this, it's like this sounds like pretentious nonsense.
0: Oh my god, it's so pretentious. I honestly, I I like outsider art. You know, I I I have a huge appreciation for people expressing themselves, and I like people making stuff out of shit that other people throw away. People don't know this.
1: Johnny Neal is Banksy. Uh, oh shit, I wasn't <laughs> supposed to. I'm sorry. We'll we'll edit that out. Edit that out. Cut 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 cut.
0: Snip. Snip. Oh, you weren't supposed to blow that (laughs) secret!
1: Spot on. Yeah. Spot on. I know. Well, I'm Uh, sorry you had to watch that.
0: Oh, my God. It was so bad. It was so bad. And, like, I didn't like anybody that was in it. There was nothing about it that made me go, why? Ugh, this is just a stupid bad movie that I got to tell you you got to really think that you're a hipster I don't even really know what a hipster is but I can point at that movie and say this is what a hipster is fair enough uh,
1: the movie that I saw that I hated myself uh, was a movie called Satan's Blade now this was released uh, you want to you hand me the blu-ray I want to make sure I got this right here this was released by um, Slasher Video which uh, is not a label I anticipate being around for very long um, Let look, I understand, as a slasher fan, I understand that the 80s were full of garbage. Like, there were the, the few that, like, stood out above the rest that we have, and then there's the sillier ones that we still have a little bit of reverence for, and then there's just unwatchable dreck, like, Final Exam, and no, Revenge of the Ninja is neither a slasher film nor unwatchable Johnny Neal.
0: No, but it's the 80s! It I'm is... telling you, this is the cream of the crop!
1: <laughs> Johnny Neal is really trying to sell you guys hard on Revenge of the Ninja. And I cannot argue with him on that because it is fantastic. What is not fantastic is Satan's Blade. Which and is, this is an anniversary edition. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who gives a shit about the anniversary of this movie or knows that it even exists. This is a god-awful slasher film.
0: See, I saw this and I wanted to watch this but I just didn't have time. And I thought, is this some Mexican cult movie? No, it's not. It,
1: it's an American film that was shot on what I can only assume was someone's home movie camera. Oh lord! And as rich as it is in ADR exposition, it is bereft of entertainment. Oh, like there's okay. I will say that I liked the slow reveal. Like there's a bank robbery at the beginning, and there's the, like you're just you're just seeing the robbers from like the waist down, and then they do the slow reveal when they get back to the hideout that it's two women, and I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. But in classic garbage time slasher fashion, that one respectable element is wasted so fast as to be completely irrelevant. And then it's just a bunch of rich people going for a romantic getaway, some of whom are staying in the room where those two girls were murdered, and they haven't even cleaned the blood off the wall. I'm like, I know Yelp wasn't around in 84, but I'm pretty sure you can still leave a bad review for a hotel like... Yeah, they put us in the murder room the next morning after the murder. Not cool. Not cool. <laughs> and they're like, and of course, the old woman at the desk's like, oh, there's a legend. There's a legend about a guy who was forced out of his home. And then he came back and killed a bunch of people. And now we think he lives in a lake. And it's like, okay, Rain Man, calm down. Um, and it turns out that there's this deformed dude who has this really ridiculous mask who doesn't need to be deformed at all. It makes no difference to the story. It doesn't add anything to his legend. That he happens to it's just like oh, Jason Voorhees was deformed. Sure, let's do that. And and like they start doing all the introductions of like, let's meet these people and hear why they got here. And it's like, I don't fucking care because they're all terrible actors that you dragged off the street and paid a sandwich to be in this movie. Where and, was it? Uh, where was it? That is a very good question. It's like a ski lodge. Uh, it okay. takes place at a ski lodge. I don't exactly know where. Um,
0: off season, I'm it's, assuming.
1: Uh, Big Bear Lake actually oh. is where, where, where apparently they filmed this. Um, so it's like the Ski Lodge slasher movie, except it's, it doesn't matter where it is. It's garbage. But like literally in the middle of a dialogue scene, they smash cut to a a room full of women being murdered who have nothing to do with those characters. And I'm like, wait, who, what's happening? Who is that guy? Who is being murdered? What the fuck? You can't just do this. And it's so boring and it's so cliche on every level. It is like the utmost terrible acting. There's nothing redeeming about this movie Whatsoever, And I have to believe that slasher video just came about so long after Blu-ray that all the good slasher movies had already been put out by, like, Scream Factory or, you know, maybe Anchor Bay, some of their throwback stuff. I don't know, but by the time they came around, all they could get was Satan's Blade, which is more like Satan's bunghole. <laughs> this movie sucks. Wow. Sucks, 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 sucks. There's no reason this should be on Blu-ray do not waste your time. I am willing to bet this movie is on YouTube. If you really want to watch it, wow! So don't waste your time. Is what Brian is trying to tell you. Let's move on to these final hours. These so late da- hours. Lay down your review, and I'll feel the power. Let that me you tell want.
0: you about these final
1: hours. Now, you you told me that you thought they released this movie just because they knew Mad Max was coming out.
0: I do kind of think that there was something like that. Yeah. Which happens okay. all
1: the time, Here, by the way. It,
0: yeah. Oh, of course. It, here's something about Australia <laughs> uh, that, that's a little bit different than the United Teach me. States. Teach me. Okay. You After know, you tell me about the, the kangaroo show. Okay. Well, let, let me tell you about Australia first. Okay. Okay. The American flag has space on it, right? It's got a field of blue mm-hmm. with stars. Mm-hmm. And we add to those stars every time we get a new state. Yeah. Right? I mean, it started with 13 and now we got fifty. Who knows Sooner sooner or later There'll be more stars Space It's ours It's ours It's the future We came here from somewhere else And we've got that You know what Australia's flag Has like A a, a shitty uh, (laughs) Constellation That was Used I think To guide the prison ship To take them to Australia So Their idea of, Of happiness Is just You know Still being alive you know, I, here, I'm looking
1: at he, Australia's flag. First of all, it looks photoshopped. Um, it's got an English flag, right? It's and got an a, English flag that someone just like clicked into the corner. Yeah, and then the stars kind of form a question mark. Like, kind are we like a country? What,
0: what are, are we? Are we a continent? We're, we don't really know. We, are we free? <laughs> We're really a prison like a I mean, think of the way every Australian movie, like shit, happens in Australian movies. That if it happened in an American movie, it would be like. Wow, that was really bad taste, man. We eat Vegemite for breakfast just, and wait right for dinner. <laughs> we we do. We <laughs> kill kangaroos and use their heads to entertain children. <laughs> what was that show called? That was called Zippy, <laughs> Skippy, Skippy the Bush Kangaroo, and I. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? I want to send out a big a big shout out. To one of our great listeners, Ryan Naughton, Ryan Naughton, who looked up Skippy the Bush Kangaroo and found the title sequence music video, and you can see that they had to kill a lot of kangaroos <laughs> and and pickle their hands to show them, uh, you know, strumming guitars, doing DJ stuff. So that's how Australia <laughs> is. Yeah, it's literally hip hop. It's. <laughs> I am on fire today. I wish I
1: should be fired today. <laughs> I
0: wish you were on fire. <laughs> My heat vision is, is lacking.
1: Okay, so in these final so hours of this these very long final show,
0: hours, the premise is the world has already been hit by a uh, a meteor, a giant meteor that I don't know what it was made of. <laughs> But instead of making a big cloud and killing us all off slowly, it just made a firebomb that is just circling the globe and headed for Australia. So Australia, at the beginning of the movie, they have five hours... To uh, live out their lives So people are just fucking in the streets And they're shooting each other And this guy Not unlike how Australia is pretty much all the time So the hero of our story is a no good hood type guy He's got a lot of jailhouse tattoos He's banging chicks left and right He goes to his girlfriend who's pregnant And he's got a hickey from the other chick that he just banged Uh oh uh, Rookie mistake And then he tells her I'm leaving to go to a party And on the way to the party, there's like a dead body hanging from a street lamp and and the garbage hasn't been picked up. That was like one of those very cheap, let's show you how society has uh, gone (laughs) down by just filling up garbage bags and putting them on the curb. It's beautifully shot. It's really quite nice. Um, He sees these two creepy guys dragging a little girl into their house. And he's like, fuck, I can't let them do that. He knows that they're going to perv out, right? Yeah. So he goes in and he rescues the girl and he ends up killing both of those guys. And they're just like, hey, join the party, mate. And he stabs one of them in the neck. He he gets this girl and his mission is to take her back to her father so that they can die together. Like, nobody has any sense that maybe we can (laughs) go into the Outback. It's like, no. The United States is already gone. Europe is already gone. Half of Africa is already gone. It's on its way. Now so, it's just called Half Africa. Africa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Outback. No rules, just right. We aren't the world. <laughs> so, the, uh, the whole movie is just him trying to save this girl and do something good. And he gets her to where her father was supposed to be. And her father's already killed himself. Everybody's just killing themselves. Did you give away the ending of the movie? I'm sorry, but you know they're all going to die because I tell you the first five minutes, everybody's going to die at the end of this movie. Spoiler alert. It's a spoiler. Like, it's Australia. Nobody gets out of Australia (laughs) alive. (laughs) These final hours, not this final last chance. (laughs) Well done. Well done. But... I really enjoyed the hell out of this movie. I did. It's a nice little character study of a guy who's been a fuck-up his whole life, and he has one chance to not be a fuck-up. Not even to be a hero, to just not be a fuck-up. He takes his little girl to this party where his girlfriend is, and then this other chick whose daughter has been taken away from her or something. Everybody's wasted at this party. They're playing Russian roulette. They're just doing all kinds of shit. And it's and they're all in speedos cuz they're in Australia.
1: In Australia they call it Hanky Spinners.
0: <laughs> they played some Hanky Spinners. I,
1: I don't know if they do. I just the thought that sounded real. The winner is the
0: guy who shoots himself. I, and they uh That sounded
1: like legit though. Like I I, I told totally you Hanky Spinners. Hanky Spinners. Yeah,
0: we call this one. One out of six.
1: <laughs> we call it a wallaby roll. Woo-hoo. <laughs>
0: we call it a temple piercer.
1: I'm truly sorry to anyone out there who happens to be Australian and is listening to this show. I apologize for all of the detrimental things we've been saying.
0: Write us a dirty letter and write correct
1: us, a- us on all our, all our slang. Write us a dirty letter. We can't read, but uh, no, that's that's too far. That's tell too us far. about
0: Skippy. D- tell Skippy us if you have a Skippy lunch.
1: kangaroo. Box. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, guys. I love Australia. I'm just joking.
0: I love Australia, and I've never been there, but that was always my dream to go that. there. But so it, 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 there's one moment in this movie that really cracked me up. This woman who thinks that this little girl is her daughter because she's wasted... Gives this girl acid. That's how Australian this movie is. I don't know if it's ecstasy or acid. I don't know. It's a mystery tablet. She goes, here, take it. She takes one, and then she gives it to the little girl. And then it cuts to the guy and his girlfriend, and they're in a bomb shelter type thing. And he's going, we're already dead. This ain't deep enough. We're all going to die. And then it cuts back to the girl, and there's like, you know, those things, those, those like, Tinsel squares, yeah, f- floating, and it's sunshine and beautiful, and she's just dripping, dripping <laughs> balls. Wow. Looking up in the sky, wow! And then you see her throwing up, and she's like, "What the fuck did you give me?" I liked Acid. this movie a lot. I liked it a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm, I didn't love it, love it, but I really did enjoy the hell out of it. Uh, I, I, I like movies about fuck ups who are trying to be better. There's a really great reunion scene with. Why would you look at me when you said that? I don't know. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. this is a really yeah. great scene. There's a really great scene where he goes to his mother, and his mother is just like, I've said goodbye to you too many times already. You know, like, you can tell this guy's just been a fuck-up his whole life. I enjoyed it. I liked it. These final hours.
1: Fantastic. Well, something I watched that I didn't particularly enjoy was Batman Unlimited Animal Instincts. This is another of the DC mo- These DC movies are so hit and miss, Like, and a lot of them are miss. This one, I don't know what Batman Unlimited is. I don't know if that's another new Batman show. Batman's a whore. Okay.
0: Just so you know. This one is like he's a Transformer or something. (laughs) No, he's... He's got a Beast Wars cat.
1: Okay, look, here's the thing. Batman's a whore. No, DC is a whore. Uh, Because they looked around and they realized... DC's a pimp. They went... Yeah, they're pimps. (laughs) Batman's a whore. they (laughs) They looked around and they went... You know what? A lot of our characters have animal-sounding names. A lot of villains do. Let's just write a bullshit story about all the animal-sounding villains teaming up. So you got, like, Silverback the Gorilla, Killer Croc, Man Bat the Penguin, um, Empire of the Ants, Frogs, frogs, Food of the Gods, gods, Jaws of Satan. Jaws of Satan. Yeah, all of them teaming up to steal shit. And then Oswald Cobblepot has made, like, these techno-animals that also... It's bullshit. The story's ridiculous. Doesn't make sense. It's such a cash grab. There's nothing interesting or really he's a that whore. Fun, or really even that fun. He goes like, where they tell him. He's not a whore. Stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is You're really grown, boring. Brian. It's okay. You know, and but the thing is, I don't I don't cut these movies any fucking slack because oh, they're for kids. So was Batman the animated series, and that shit was brilliant.
0: It was the best Batman ever.
1: And you know how brilliant it is? They have changed the design of every character in this movie. Except for Man-Bat. Man-Bat looks exactly the same as he did on Batman the Animated Series, and even has the same sound effect. And I'm like, okay, clearly you know how much better that shit was than what you're making right now. This is spectacular. Did you say that
0: shit was?
1: That shit was. Uh Or bat shit, whatever you want to say. This
0: is boring. This is the guano.
1: This is boring. This This is is not... This is blu-ray guano. This is not fun. This is not interesting. This feels like a desperate cash grab. As does this box set, which has the blu-ray, the DVD, and this... Toy metal bat thing. I mean, clearly this Plastic. is for
0: kids, but it's like, is your kid gonna drop thirty dollars on this Blu-ray? And it's not even an individual toy; it's an accessory for the line of toys.
1: Yeah, that, so you have to spend you have to spend thirty dollars on each Blu-ray to so get the whole it, thing.
0: And, it, and it seems like the kind of thing that should come. The disc should come like with the action figure. Yeah, right? at the very like, least. And they've done the that disc before. Should be a giveaway. Like, yeah, it goes with the
1: this, action. This figure. is. I think you're absolutely right. This feels like a desperate attempt to be like. Kids like robot dinosaur things like Beast Wars. Uh, they like Batman. Sure. Just pile it all in there like guano on top of guano. Um, no thank you. No thank you, DC Animated. Keep trying. This is another miss for me. And we're going to end the show on uh, Jamaica Inn, which you didn't... Did I Jamaica watch this? Uh, no? You, you That's did. That's terrible.
0: But I'm glad that these puns you are jam-
1: These puns are Jamaican me crazy.
0: Jamaican me crazy. But uh, I'm glad you did.
1: I, I actually, I'm, I didn't realize we were going to be recording. I knew we were going to be recording, but I didn't realize the shirt that I picked out this is my Hitchcock shirt. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I had no I idea.
0: Came in and he he.
1: You thought really, I put this on? Just he's really for you.
0: wearing a Hitchcock shirt. He's you thought not I put this on just a Taylor Lautner shirt? Okay. And I thought, well, look at you, Mister Dress for Success. Yeah. You're, you're no, going. totally accidental.
1: Uh, yep. This is the new 4K restoration of Alfred Hitchcock's Jamaica End, which I am sorry to say I had not seen. There are a few Hitchcock movies, even as much as I love the director, and I feel like I've waxed poetic about his work. Like I think we this did a whole This was podcast. number
0: twenty-one of his movies. Yeah, that's the thing. And f- this 1939. Was in 1939 and he had already made twenty movies by then. Yeah. So it's pretty easy to let yourself off the hook for not knowing every single movie he's ever made. And I like this movie. This is the 75th anniversary edition. Can you believe that? From Cohen
1: Media. I can't believe that. Uh, And what's great about this movie is that it feels like somebody told Hitchcock, you know, what movies make a lot of money right now are these swashbuckling pictures. And he's like, well, I'll do one. But it will be different than any you've ever seen You've
0: never imagined a swashbuckler like me
1: I don't understand I don't know why <laughs> This accent is terrible I don't know My Hitchcock is not developed Good evening That could be edited and you made know, That's actually his
0: shirt talking
1: That is my shirt talking
0: So this stars Charles
1: Lawton The great Charles Lawton Who, by the way, directed Night, Night of the, the Hunter, Hunter. Uh, jinx. And the
0: first film I appearance I Jinx, you oh. can't talk for f- Okay, go ahead I was
1: going to say You know how boring this podcast is going to be If I just sit here and silence. <laughs> I take back the Jinx Okay this is the first on-screen role introducing Maureen O'Hara. And, oh, my God, was she lovely. So pretty. So pretty. So pretty. pretty. Yeah, so this movie is... This is a really interesting story. I like this. It's about a team of pirates who what they do is they, they run to the they're top... They're land of, pirates. They're land pirates. They don't go out on a ship. They're like, fuck it. We're going to let the, the loot come to us. Yeah. They're actually very efficient pirates. They are. They just run up to the they're top assholes. of the hill. They're assholes. They're such assholes. They run up to the top of the hill and, <laughs> and they're like so gleeful. They take the, the guiding light off of the rocks, off of the, the cliff... So that ships run aground on the rocks, and then they go out to the water where the ships run aground, murder all the sailors as they're trying to murder the shit out of them while they're scrambling for their lives, and then steal all the loot. That's how they.
0: And you know, you would think that's something you'd be able to get away with once. Yeah. You know, but I guess it didn't have radios or something Uh, because they could just keep. Well, it was the eighteen hundreds. Was the eighteen hundreds? Yeah. Something uh, I absolutely fell in love with this movie. Um, The shipwrecks at the beginning are, are. that perfect blend of artificial, mm-hmm. you know, miniatures that are really well done. Well, I love that in the
1: in the like in the close-up shots when it's clearly a stage. There are a bunch of people running around on the deck, and then in the wider shots where it's a model, there's no one Nobody. on the deck, and it's like, okay, that's a toy. But it's a nice toy. <laughs> it's
0: really well crafted. And, 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 you know what? It really made me think of the first part of it, uh, Wes Anderson. It, oh, it really. I mean, the whole the dinner party, the way mm. it was framed, Charles Lawton being all weird. It yeah. was like. Uh, this is the thing that I appreciate more and more of modern filmmaking, is the advances of sound design in yeah. film. Because this movie was so good until things would stop talking, and then it would just get really, like, the, a void. Yeah, you can hear the waves out. crashing and, and waiting for that. Uh, but Charles Lawton is hysterically funny in it. He, and- he He's completely batshit crazy. And, believably batshit
1: Yeah, shit believably. Crazy. And what I like about this movie is true to Hitchcock form, he does that thing where he has first act twists because he's going to tell the audience everything. Yeah. The other characters aren't going to know shit. Right. You're going to know more than the characters do because that's such a Hitchcock thing. So there's a first act twist in this that's really good. And I think it's like, and, and that's the thing, is like this movie is a thriller, it's a swashbuckling picture, but at the same time, Hitchcock is very subversively... Like entering in this commentary about aristocracy. Oh, yeah. And it's like, he's just taking him down a peg hard, and no one's going to notice.
0: And, and, and you don't realize how batshit crazy Charles Lawton is until about halfway through. You think he's just a weird money grubber, some kind of aristocratic dickhead. Yeah. And then, just the more he talks, the more you go... Dude, <laughs> even yeah. even Maureen O'Hara
1: by the he, end is like, no, he's, he's mad. You're crazy. You, don't you gotta cut him
0: some slack. Get off his back. Leave Charles Lindon <laughs> alone. Leave, leave him alone. One thing I really loved about it was uh, the the sense of design that Hitchcock threw into it for the Marauders. Mm-hmm. When you see them come running up at, when the boat crashes. Because he made him look like cowboy outlaws, he kind of did. Like the, yeah. The, the the one guy, he the smuggler, Harry the smuggler, the the whistler guy. <laughs> yeah. He made him look like Billy the Kid. He really time. did. Yeah. He had the, the perfect hat, he the vest, and everything. This hitch
1: got going. Can I please come to America now? Can I do this now? Please? I want to do, I don't know why he gets drunker as because I keep impersonating. Just him. He's having a stroke. I'm I'm a, I'm a duck a, having a stroke. I'm not a thin man. <laughs> Sounds like a duck having a stroke when I do it. I'm, I'm a I don't know if it's i do been jellyfish eating
0: disorder. <laughs> and uh <laughs> the, the... The dinner party At the, <laughs> the beginning Is party. so funny Charles Lawton Is just making So many lines About the king And yeah. how fat The king is And he's like Peeling a carrot Or peeling a potato And
1: speaking of Skipping the Bushwhack kangaroo Did you notice In that shot It looked like Puppet arms And then <laughs> he was- so fat in that shot. He's it looked so like It was like it looked like when you do that thing when you were younger, where you put your arms on your back and yeah. somebody else put somebody their, else arms
0: puts their arms through. arms It was like he was like the Swedish chef. It was like a fleshy Swedish chef. And then in the middle of this dinner party, he he brings a horse into the dining room. It just cracked me up. Which is clearly a reference to Equus.
1: I mean, or or uh and,
0: and then Maureen O'Hara shows up and he, she goes. Uh, she, he says something about you know oh what are you doing here they wouldn't let me at the Jamaica inn and and he said she said uh he he said well I'll take you there and you can ride my horse and she goes but you have these guests and he goes uh they're all dead and, <laughs> and you just see them and they're just old and eating and he's like you're more alive than they are look at them and they're yeah. all just
1: old and decrepit it's so much fun it's such a weird great little movie and I, I'm so glad I finally got to see it and
0: every two or three <laughs> <laughs> He's calling his uh, his butler. Yeah, which his butler's name was. Uh, he Chadwick. Chadwick, just like every two seconds, Chadwick. <laughs> he just yelled, "Chadwick, you him. numbskull! Chadwick, you numbskull! Bring bring this woman a plate. She's hungry. She's wet. Bring her a coat, Chadwick."
1: And there's a really telling shot at the end of the movie where we see Chadwick get out of a carriage, and you kind of see the look on his face, like, "Yeah, good. Fuck this guy." <laughs> and
0: then Chadwick, you hear yes. The, uh, and he's like, oh fuck! Yeah, it's like he's driven everybody crazy. Yeah, no, it's. I it, love this movie. This I is really, really, really enjoyable, it. and movie, it's a beautiful print. Oh, it is! It's beautiful a new 4K print.
1: restoration from Cohen, and I couldn't be happy. There's a feature league commentary. Uh, there's a 2014 re release trailer and a new video essay by author Donald Spoto.
0: And uh, did you watch that? I did not. It's excellent. Oh, okay. It's just the right amount of length of of the making of the movie uh, and who the different people were. Maureen O'Hara is the only person left alive from all of that, and she's ninety four years old. Oh, wow. This guy knows his stuff, and he gives you just a really concise slideshow type thing talking about the different problems that Daphne du Maurier had with it, and you know, who also wrote the birds and who also wrote Rebecca. So this was it was it was cool. Nice. It, it was a, it was the per- I didn't I didn't get to. Uh, Listen to the voiceover thing, but that last little video was really good.
1: Awesome. Highly recommend Jamaica Inn.
0: Highly recommend it.
1: Well, that's it. That's the end of the show. We're done, finally. Woo! We did it. Oh, wait. I feel like we're missing something, though.
0: Uh, A giveaway! A giveaway! So, we just gave you several hours of our our lives. But wait,
1: there's more. And pursuant to how Johnny and I tend to do things around here... We're not going to tell you what the giveaway is.
0: Hey, what was my fantasy job? What happened?
1: Uh, I think uh, I haven't picked a winner for that yet. I should probably do that. Thank you for reminding me. Um, (laughs) Yep, we're dicks. Uh, Instead, what we're going to do is we're doing... I
0: was going to tell you if you were right.
1: Uh, Oh, yeah, we'll have to do that. I was a
0: Cobra Wrangler.
1: You were a Cobra Wrangler. We're doing a double mystery grab bag
0: giveaway! Ooh. I know and sounds- when we say that, it's not like, you know, the popcorn bag in your lap kind no. of mystery. No, bag no, no, no. You're not going to grab. a real thing.
1: You're not going to grab our bags. Uh, the winner will actually receive a two-pack of titles from a previous show. Two-pack. A two-pack. That
0: guy keeps working. I know, right? Two-pack is working. <laughs> All
1: ears on us, guys, because. You know what they
0: called me? Two-pack Chopra. <laughs> I had a lot of very uh, good wow. guys.
1: Wow. Wow. Be very care-
0: street level advice. Careful with that joke,
1: Johnny Neal. It's an antique. Um, Tupac Chopra? Tupac Chopra. That was me. Uh, so here's what I- you're gonna do to win. Follow us on Twitter at One of Us Net. And then you're gonna tweet at us. I want you to pick a 2015 summer movie. A movie coming out between, I don't know, let's say April and August of this year. And I want you to retitle that movie so it has something to do with something on the site. I'll give you an example. Portlygeist. Would be an example, uh, but don't say that because that's mean and you would just be a dick. Uh, but something be like that—that that would be about a lot of us, Johnny. Nee. Oh, okay. Uh, so hashtag that double grab giveaway. We'll pick our favorite. That person will win the mystery double grab bag prize. We're extravaganza keeping the doubles show. going. Double. We're doubling down we're all over doubling the show. Down. But we're doubly done with this week's digital double <gasps> noise. Ah,
0: exhale. Ah, uh, well,
1: I hope you've enjoyed it, guys. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at, uh, one of us net at DigiNoiseCast. You can follow me at BryguySalisBury. Someday Johnny Neal will get on Twitter. Uh, but people can find you on Facebook. I'm yes. on
0: Facebook and I, and I love friends. Johnny Not Neal, the show, it's two L's. But uh, and right to the show. I love it. I love reading your emails. Yeah, I love definitely. I, I try to answer every one of the comments.
1: Comments. Yeah, Johnny Neal does a really good job with that. So if you want to talk to Johnny Neal, just leave a comment on this post and make sure to use those Amazon links when they show up and become a subscriber if you haven't already. But that's gonna do it. So I'm gonna end the show the way I always do. No release is too big. No release is too small. From double criterion to double catastrophe, we review them all.